Week 17 is over. The fantasy championships are officially written in stone for the 2023 NFL season. But are we really approaching the real fantasy season? Playoff best ball is here. The FFPC playoff challenge is here. And it's also showdown slate season in the NFL playoffs. We'll take you through all that and more on Stat Chasing. Pat Fryer Helmo. <laughs> this is what? This is what I'm hot. Anita Hanjob. Hand Fix your sight. Jamar. Alpha play chase. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Darius Tony? You can't handle the heat. Pete, it looks like we're finally at this point. You're right. <laughs> All right. Uh, we made it. We made it through the 2023 fantasy season. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't know about you, Drico. My, my results weren't fantastic for best ball this season, but all in all, I would say it was a pretty successful fantasy season. Uh, had a bunch of, had a bunch of good teams that, uh, had some fun sweats all along the way. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's, it's not about, you know, how much you win. It's about the friends that you make along the way. Right. Well, uh, definitely, definitely feel that I won this season, uh, making friends with you. Oh, <laughs> um, I yeah, I, yeah, I was, I was so, I was honestly so pumped heading into the playoffs. Like, I, I'd like gotten so many uh, different exposure things right, um, and then yeah, best ball just got uh, the first week of playoffs just got just got punched in the face. Uh, I, 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 I was talking to you about it a little bit. I was, I was like a little bitter bitch, and uh, I was totally tilting. I was, I was really upset about it. Um, but after uh, after about a week, um, I said, you know, I just can't can't do, can't do anything about what's past. Can only only focus on uh, on, on on the the future. And um, I think I think in the last week I've entered, and, and this is probably nothing that most people have entered about forty different um, uh, playoff basketball after having not not done any before. So trying trying to trying to turn the corner. I'm uh, I'm glad I got you um, to get into playoff best ball. I think I, I think I get to take credit for that, right? Um, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, honestly, I would have been a little bit more of a salty bitch myself um, with the way that the season shook out for me for the regular season stuff. I had I learned from la- last year. I did the stupid thing of going back when when I saw Mike Evans go off in Week 17 and one of my four DK uh, Millie semifinals teams had Mike Evans on it. Um, I think also at DJ Moore. I like, I went back and looked at that one and realized like, I probably would have won all the money. It's like, I don't need that's I'm never going to do that again. Unnecessary that, information. Yeah. That was, it was like, uh, it's like the, you know, dead dub inside do not open. And I opened it. It's like, I don't know what I, <laughs> like. I, now I'm sad. This was really stupid. So I didn't do that this season. I had some pretty strong teams in the semis, but the semis went pretty poorly for me overall. I was like, it's just right about expectation if, if you just take like the neutral advance rate. But like, man, I didn't have very many dead roster spots. Like my teams are pretty stacked. They were all optimized for the playoffs with plenty of game stacks, you know? So I, I was like, I, I think I could very reasonably go above like the expected advance rate, but uh, did not had, had some okay finishes. Um, but really the thing that has made me the least salty is just getting to fire off at playoff best ball and knowing that after the games wrap this Sunday, 
Uh, I'm going to get to start working on FFPC ownership for the playoff challenge over there, which I'm super, super excited uh, to talk about. I have already started, um, you know, I think you as well have already started. We've got uh, some of the ship chasing folks who split a Mastiff uh, earlier this year. Uh, we took some of that. Did we min cash or do you make semifinals in the Mastiff? I uh, we made the we made the semifinals, I believe. And Team um, Allen let us down. That's right. However, it still feels like a min cash with like. We only got 1.5x our entry fee, yeah. so still feels pretty min cashy. Yeah. So, so for those who are not in the 23 man Mastiff uh, co draft group, which you highly out. recommend co drafting and voting on picks with 23 different people, it's it's super easy, especially when you make Phil do all of the work. Um, <laughs> but for, I just for, remember that the power surge of like everybody voting one way and then like trying to argue everybody back. Oh, there was a lot of, there's some politics. There's (laughs) for sure. Uh, It was pretty funny, honestly, getting, getting the vote blocks, you know, people going in uh, and trying to whip up some votes for their favorite pick. That was, it honestly was a bunch of fun. I I feel really bad for (laughs) Bill. It was stupidly annoying, especially when you got into like the 17th round. The The 17th round. round the The second Mastiff that we're doing when we're on round 17 is like, all right, fuck it, guys. We're just taking these. Um, but anyway, that group of 23 min cashers, we have now rolled over our massive winnings from the Mastiff, and they are being diversified across a large number of different playoff contests and formats. So I believe that we have five FFPC teams, uh, and you and I are each captaining a subgroup that is in charge of constructing one of the five teams. Uh, and then we also have two... Uh, entries earmarked for the big mitten that myself and chris g plan on drafting after uh this weekend slate wraps up so we have maximum information we're gonna go do those drafts i believe uh over on a leg up stream we haven't for sure ironed out all the details yet but keep your eyes peeled for that i'm sure we'll you know we'll announce it in the discord especially for those of you who have equity in those teams uh, we'll let you know so hopefully we can run that up um, but anyway all i'm right for the playoff contest and i think that's a good segue into the charts for this week because if you're tuning in here and you're like what are these two idiots going to talk about fantasy football season is over i don't really care about the charts um well au contraire my mon frere fantasy football season is still alive and well for 2023 we've got all this playoff contest content to go through and then I also think one of the things that I really like, I think is a strong suit for you, Drico, just in in chopping it up with you about best ball is your ability to kind of get a good read on how the market is going to handle players and then also have your own take of, yeah, the market's going to have, you know, I I think about, uh, you know, what you were saying about Rashi Rice, which got me to draft more Rashi Rice near the end of this offseason when you're saying, you know, he, he probably should be like a 10th round pick here. Like it doesn't really make any sense where he's going. And I could easily see him being like a sixth round pick next year. It was just like that for whatever reason, my brain hadn't gotten to thinking it through that way. And when you said it that way, it helped click for me. And so I definitely think you can provide some really interesting insights to the people for some of the way too early best ball drafts, which believe it or not, are only a couple months away at this point. A couple of weeks. 
I think uh, I heard the FFPC never too early is going to open at January 17th. Man, uh, that, I mean, even for a true, true disturbed individual like myself, that might be a little too early even <laughs> for me. I mean, I maxed the big board, and and that was my uh, one of my better tournaments as far as my advance rate and ROI on it. Um, and yeah, that that way too early starting in January might be a little early even for me. Um, I, I need like a few weeks break before I start firing again. You know, I'm uh, I'm I'm just I I I feel like a spurn from the 23 season. I'm I'm just honestly just I could be the guy who just lost all his chips, like. Sending it all, sending even more back, but I, I just feel ready to go. That's that's good. You're letting it motivate you, and uh, you know I, I think a motivated Drico is something that uh, if you're a competitor, you, you don't want to see in your lobby. <laughs> you, you fire up the lobby and you see pissed off Drico. I think, <laughs> I think all of your team names on the FFPC need to have that as some kind of theme. <laughs> well, thank you very much for the uh, the, the kind words. Um, have definitely really enjoyed uh, doing the, the, this show, which you definitely learned a lot uh, from hearing you talk. Um, so excited to uh, excited to get into these uh, these charts. Oh, I am not a. I don't have to present. Okay, so um, same same quarterback chart we've had all season, and honestly, um, we've uh, oh, one one thing that I think is interesting about this chart is we've, we've sort of noted before that we don't have the volume piece in here. We just have the efficiency piece. And, and, and this is a very efficiency uh, – th this chart is designed to highlight efficiency, both true touchdown rate and then adjusted yards per attempt, which is like yards per attempt, but rewards touchdowns, punishes interceptions. And I honestly wonder with the, uh, the sort of variance of playoff basketball, with it being like just – four weeks of games and then only for the teams that make to the Super Bowl. I almost wonder if the, the if the, the efficiency stuff is actually of like greater importance than much greater importance than the volume stuff. That's an interesting way to frame it. And let me let me try and dissect it and think uh, through to what I, I think you're getting at here. Would you say that the reason for that is quarterbacks with these really high efficiencies are the ones that might have access to those spike week games at a higher frequency than the guys with, say, for example, like let's take a volume type guy. Um, gosh, who's a who's a good volume example? Josh here. Allen. Josh, Josh Allen is a, Josh is a volume Allen. player. So and he hasn't been quite as efficient. Now, a big part of his fantasy production in recent weeks has come on the ground through his legs. But would you say it's it's safe to say that while Josh Allen probably has like lower downside deviation because he has that rushing upside because he's such a high volume passer, you know, you've got that better downside deviation. It's lower than other quarterbacks, but maybe the rate at which he can access spike weeks could be a little lower than say Purdy or Lamar or Dak Prescott, these more efficient quarterbacks. And then the other, to add an additional layer of context to that, that's not to say that Josh Allen can't score points at the same frequency that those guys do that are, are high point scoring weeks. It's just like within their own distributions of the points that these guys score, Josh Allen doesn't access his ceiling at the same rate 
that those other guys right they're seeing I, I i think that's a reasonable description of of the josh allen experience and he's he's actually yeah uh, if you if you look at, at josh allen's uh fantasy scoring i think he's the top scorer on the year um but it it's like it's it's a lot more sort of steady eddie and uh, a little bit like um jalen hurts sort of like you have that uh you have the touch push stuff, which is is essentially insane, insanely great volume stuff, and th- doesn't really fail, uh, and and definitely has has access to a ceiling, but it's a little different than Lamar Jackson, uh, who who's insanely efficient, and like almost every game, and then you add a game where he has the volume, like against the Dolphins, and and, and he puts up a score that you can't beat, essentially. Yeah, I would. Uh... I think I've teased this before. I've like talked about this concept, but downside deviation in quarterback is something that I've looked at in the past. And then I'm probably going to do that. That might be one of my projects this off season that I'll, I'll have over at leg up. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and show you guys some of the stuff that I was using um, to evaluate what quarterbacks were acceptable to take on solo quarterback builds in best ball this season. So I actually think that's going to be a pretty important. I think it's something that's underutilized by the field right now. It's not something you should do very uh, frequently, but when you do it, you want to make sure you're doing it with the correct archetype of quarterback. And it's kind of an archetype that hasn't been correctly identified or classified in my opinion. Um, And so I need to pretty that up and make it presentable to other people and not just uh, me, but I think that might be that. That's one of my project ideas here for this off season. Um, but anyway, Josh Allen, you know, just as a, a little spoiler, Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts both are two of those quarterbacks that fall into that classification. And that might be like a well duh, they're the elite quarterbacks, but it's you know not all elite quarterbacks fall into that category. Like Lamar Jackson absolutely does not, right. because Lamar has a larger downside deviation. There are games where Lamar hits a floor outcome that's more like a true floor outcome for non-elite quarterbacks where Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts floor is more like a Jared Goff mean game, right? And that's the big, that's right. kind of what you're looking for. But I, I won't uh, won't give it all away here. Um, so the other thing about the efficiency stuff is, so obviously th- this, this is for the weeks, this is week 17. So we've got all 17 weeks uh, and 16 weeks of games for each of these players and um, Mahomes here is sitting in and right in the middle here and I, I I think that's sort of interesting in that like he it's it's like obviously a, a down a big down year for Mahomes is like average which goes to show how uh, how good he is and um, and then obviously you're getting you're getting a large discount on Mahomes in playoff best ball and uh, then, then I'm guessing you ever have before, and you're getting a, a large discount on on players like um, on his pass catchers, his wide receiver one and two, and I it, it does make me wonder um, if like like the if the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl, you, you you're gonna want to have Chief sacks obviously, um, but if that has to be on the back of their defense, the does that um I guess how how much how much like 
takeaway can we get from like Mahomes having having being one of the lower efficiency players of the quarterbacks there on this chart, especially when you're just looking at playoff guys? I think there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, the first thing I want to think through is like what happens to Patrick Mahomes on this chart? What happens to his adjusted yards per attempt and his TD rate if we give him? Let's just let's live in like total fantasy land right now and say that the Chiefs magically get Marvin Harrison Jr. Okay, mm -hmm. so like what happens then? Like what? How does that change Pat Mahomes? Does he all of a sudden go to like where Tua and Lamar are? Does he get all the way to where Purdy is? How does that change where he sits on the chart? I I I mean I think from a never too early like next year, like if if I'm a betting man and I sort of am. If you're telling me that I can bet on that Mahomes' efficiency being like dramatically better in 2024, 2025 season than it was the 23, 24 season, like that, I, that that feels like almost like a short thing. Whereas it's like hard, it's hard to get wide receivers worse than what he has right now, right? Like, and you're talking about like a, a pure like nailed nailed on Hall of Fame player, like. Just because he has a down year doesn't mean like doesn't mean we're, we're adjusting to this new new reality where Pat Mahomes isn't that good. Like that's no, the yeah. one thing that we do know. Yeah, I mean, if you go back and look at these guys that are like these elite passers in in their prime, you know, like I'd say it's pretty safe to say Pat Mahomes is squarely in his prime right now. Now the quarterback position is one where as long as the physical traits don't fall off, like your prime can be a pretty pretty large window, right? Yeah. Um, but like, if you look at guys like Aaron Rodgers, back when Aaron Rodgers was like the quarterback one forever, you know, um, there were years where he'd go between like quarterback one and quarterback six. And I think he, he even had one that was like as low as like quarterback eight or nine, if I'm remembering right. But then every other year around, it was like QB one, QB two, QB one, QB two. And so getting these anomalous years where it's like, yeah, it's just a bad year, dude. Like stuff happens. It's a it's a game with a lot of randomness. And this is, you know, probably the worst receiving core he's ever going to have. Um, you know, you're also relying so much on an aging Travis Kelsey who suffered an ankle sprain and then came back and basically played through it the whole season. And like just up until like maybe the last two weeks, I really felt like I noticed Kelsey lacking you know, explosiveness and burst, you know, even more so than he was looking like prior to the ankle sprain. Like he's definitely gotten older, but before the ankle sprain, it was still like, oh yeah, this guy is one of he's the best the tight ends of the league. Yeah. But for, you know, the majority of this season after that ankle sprain, to me, just, you know, watching the games, watching Kelsey is like, dude, there were plays where he tried to turn and then after trying to turn, he just laid down on the field. He's like, whoops, my ankle can't do that. And he'd like hobble off to the sideline afterwards. There was lots of times where I noticed stuff like that. But in the last two weeks, I can think of a couple plays where it's not going particularly well for the Chiefs. And he's like very clearly frustrated. And he just goes Hulk mode and like truck sticks a couple people. And like right. does, does vintage Kelsey looking stuff. And you're like, oh, that's, there's Zeus. That's the dude. Um, right. So- I, I wonder if, you know, a big part of Mahomes' efficiency is you you got that hampered Kelsey and then they really weren't willing to fully trust Rashi Rice this season, which I think probably was more of a personnel error than anything, right? Like, right. I think you just got to, knowing what your receiver room looks like, you got to lean into that. So 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if Mahomes' efficiency in the playoffs actually gets closer to what he's been historically. And yeah, like you said, next season to bet on his efficiency to get a little closer to what he had done historically, I think feels like a pretty good bet to me. Right. And so, so essentially, uh, you're if you're drafting Chiefs, you're sort of uh, saying you're you're telling yourself the story where this early uh, season injury. Uh, for Kelsey uh, has been hampering him, but uh, come the playoffs, it's like it's playoff, it's playoff time. Like you, you, uh, you figure it out, and 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 perhaps we get a, a much closer to uh, um, vintage Kelsey than we did this season. I think I think the other thing that's interesting, um, and I know this is a, like a separate thing, um, if you're betting on the the Chiefs to turn it around, like you almost you uh, almost th- that's uh, reliant on a third guy to emerge, right? Like if if it's not if it it, it almost needs if it's not the defense that just goes that dominates every opponent, like you need them some third receiver to like figure it out or emerge that becomes like even for just a couple of games an important player for them i can and... definitely see the thought process behind that um i would wonder if what if they just really lean into a, a pretty concentrated target tree between rashi rice travis kelsey just feed them and then pacheco is their functional run game like is that enough for their offense to be like or, or will defenses just be able to take that away? Because it's like, okay, let's just double Kelsey, we'll double Rice, and then we dare you to throw to MBS. You know, like, right. we double dog dare you to throw to MBS. Um, yeah, um, that makes sense. And, and by the way, on your comp to, uh, to Rodgers, so in 2015, Rodgers was the QB9, um, but then he was QB1 the next year. QB six the year after that, and 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 I guess Mahomes uh, this year has been QB thirteen, um, so pretty pretty close. Yeah, and, and, and the reason I remembered Rogers was QB nine one year was because I think like back in early Dak career when he had he had had like a pretty solid start as a fantasy quarterback. I think he was like QB six his first full season or something and never outside the top 10, like QB six, two, three or something like that. Yeah. I remember getting into a heated argument with someone in my home league about how Dak was basically the same thing as Aaron Rodgers for fantasy football. Um, And I cited the Aaron Rodgers finishing as QB nine. So it's funny, the stupid stuff that your brain remembers, but I, I did remember that about Aaron Rodgers fantasy finishes. Um, and I guess on, on the on the concentrated this, this to me this is a crazy stat. Um, Rasheed Rice, like regardless, if it, not not target for a run, not um none of the root participation stuff, just flat out target share over um week twelve through week seventeen was at twenty seven percent. Um, so I guess to me that is like it it it. it in terms of rice, it's been pretty concentrated. So what you're really saying, because I know it hasn't been concentrated to Kelsey, what you're really saying is Kelsey sort of emerges, and then can and the, those two can be complementary to each other, and, and that is what sort of sparks it. 
Yeah, I think that's really the way to play the Chiefs is that it's the return of Kelsey. And then I, I do believe that you probably should play it both ways where the Chiefs are successful and they're either successful, A, because Kelsey comes back and he's much more of himself. Um, and then the Chiefs are successful because Rice has emerged and now they have Kelsey and, and their defense is great. Right. And, and they have Pat Mahomes, who's you know, one of the best, if not the best quarterback in the league right now. Right. Right. Um, and then the other outcome is Kelsey is more of a shadow of himself, but he's still able to contribute in some meaningful ways to the team. Maybe not as great for you for fantasy, but then you do what you were talking about of betting on one of these other guys to emerge betting, you know, like, God, I hate that I'm blowing this guy up now. And I've, I've heard other people start talking about him. <laughs> pretty sad. You've blown him up so much. I know who you're going to say. Yeah. It's Richie James. Um, Cause you know, I, we've seen Richie James do this at other places too. Like he, you know, at the giants is like, Oh yeah. Richie James is like one of our most competent receivers. We can throw this guy the ball. And you're just dealing with not a lot of target competition there in Kansas city. It's like, Travis Kelsey, Rashi Rice, and no one else. And so to think that Richie James could get 15 to 18% target share doesn't seem like that far of a stretch for me. And he's free in these playoff basketball drafts. And so if you're building a Kansas City goes to the Super Bowl type team, Richie James feels like such a strong bet to me to have on it because you're saying like, it's almost just like you said, it's almost necessary for someone to emerge and do something right. for this team. And so that's why I really like the Richie James bet uh, for the Chiefs. I think we also should shift gears to the team that's become the most accessible to get. Um, they just slide all the time in playoff basketball now. And that's the Eagles. Um, now, my big Eagles fade is feeling fantastic right now. But I have to tell you that the thesis behind my Eagles fade was more that Jalen Hurts had a legitimate long-term injury that we haven't been, they haven't fully disclosed to us yet. Like that knee injury was actually more serious than we've been, you know, made aware of. But I got to tell you, the last couple of weeks, he looks a lot more like his old, he's, he's running and like getting up to speed and like, He's not making violent cuts or anything, but that never was really part of his game. When he's running, he's more of like a, a power runner, you know, if right. anything. The um, guy squ squats 600 pounds. Yeah, but like the last couple of Eagles games, I'm like, ooh, shit, my thesis might not be right because that looks like a healthy guy. <laughs> so, I am. I've, I've seen some, uh, some tweets that essentially the Eagles' offensive efficiency – in the last couple of games has been very, very good. They, they've blown up the scoreboard, but their defense has been awful. Their defense has been uh, shipping points, and, and that's why they, they keep losing games. And they, they, they had fired their defensive coordinator. They decided Matt Patricia was going to be the solution, and, 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 and that just sort of made it worse. Um, so I... That that that's one where I think like if the eagle if the Eagles make it to the Super Bowl, like you know you know that their offense um it well if you're basing off the last couple of weeks their offense is likely been very very strong very efficient, and, and putting up points. It's like it, what I I think almost what you need to happen is their defense to improve their defense to figure out how how do we how do we get our linebackers to cover 
all these 49er players and, and, and so forth. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you. The Eagles offense has looked way more functional. And prior to the last couple of games, their offense was looking pretty dysfunctional, which was part of why the fade felt so good to me. It was like, right. what does this team have going for it? Their offense is broken now. Their defense is broken. And, and so now it feels like the offense is starting to get back on track a little bit. Um, for me, I, you know, I still have a pretty healthy fade on the Eagles because of the volume of teams that I've drafted. I will never be able to get to a place right. that is neutral on the Eagles. Um, and, and honestly, like even still, I'm like, I'm not finding my way to them very often because their path is most likely through the 49ers, um, yeah. which just feels really thin to me. But I've got to like, I want to be honest and say like prior to this last week, and I know that they lost to the Cardinals and that's why they're dropping and everyone feels way worse about the Eagles. But I'll tell you, because my thesis was so based in Jalen Hurts injury and he doesn't look injured to me anymore, or, or at least like he's way closer. Right. To the strength, a a right? key plank of your, of your thesis. Is, is, is it's crumbling is in front of my eyes and so i'm way more <laughs> scared about my fade than i was i i was like ready to take that to the bank lap you know before i saw him play in arizona and now i'm like oh shit i might have got out over my skis a little bit like on estimating the severity of that injury and so i, I think that i might get bailed out on the fade because they dropped the game and they're going to have to go through the 49ers. But right. Ah, gosh, I, yeah, I do think that if you have a big Eagles fade, like I do, you might be interested in mixing some of them in at cheap prices, especially in the gauntlet where you get an advantage on your opponents who have all these, you know, AJ mm -hmm. Brown, you can get in the second, you can get AJ Brown in the late second, sometimes two, three turn, you know, in gauntlet drafts right now. And everyone else has him in like, you know, the mid first. So, or the first 50% right. of the contest has him in the mid first. And so that's such a large advantage in my opinion um, that I'll probably be, I'm going to be looking to do that in those rooms where I'm in a structure where it makes sense to utilize Eagles maybe as an advance rate piece or, you know, something or other like that. Um, I'll be looking to take advantage of those sliding prices in the gauntlet, even though I've got a pretty heavy Eagles fade. So that uh, yeah that makes sense and so i'm going to use this chart to ask you a question that i know you've been fielding quite a bit uh so uh rashad white uh and 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 just to, just to highlight a, one more time this this chart is only the last four weeks the average of the last four weeks and uh, rashad white is somebody who you've been sort of excited about uh all season especially relative to, to market sentiment and, and given his price that he's sort of a, a bell cow that is useful in the passing game. So he has, um, even if it's not the pure profile, he has this sort of profile where he's using the run game, he's using the pass game. So he's versatile and, and can score points. And um, I, 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 I am, I, I'm sort of leading the witness here, but um, what, are, what are you doing with a player like Rashad White who you know they're they're not the bottom seed, and they they luckily do make the playoffs, and and, and honestly they're, they're going to project well. 
Yeah, the uh, the thing that I've been doing with the Bucks in general, um, because so much of playoff best ball is it's not a player takes kind of contest. It's a team level. You know, what's the probability that this team makes the conference championship really is like the driving factor behind everything. Five percent, apparently. <laughs> yeah. And so the Bucks are thin to do that. But for me, I was so light on Bucks, um, and specifically the combination that I didn't have hardly any of before that I'm willing to do now is I had almost no Bucks Cowboys because it looked almost like a sure thing that the Bucks and Cowboys were going to face each other in round one. Now it looks pretty likely that it's going to be Bucks and Eagles round one. And so the combination that I previously was willing to do, which would have been Eagles Bucks. Um, is now off the menu. I'd, I'd never draft that. And now I'm willing to draft Cowboys Bucks. And I do think those are teams like now we're going to, we can get a little bit into player takes here. Like, but think about the matchups for both of those teams, not just in round one of the playoffs, but into round two of the playoffs. So the Cowboys either get, you know, the Rams or the Packers in week one at home. Cowboys are averaging 40 points a game at home. Like, those are some pieces you might want to have in playoff basketball. Even if you don't think the Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl, the path to the conference championship game is about as clean as it can be, you know? <laughs> so they they feel really good for that, um, just in like a raw point scoring ability. And you marry that with the probability they make the conference championships. The Cowboys might be some of the best clicks in the tournament. And I'm as a as a you know eternal pessimist Cowboys fan, I don't even think they're making the Super Bowl, and I think they're one of the best clicks in the tournament. Um, and so then, when you look at the Bucks, it's the. Bucks Are you okay with me showing this, by the way? Showing what? Oh, uh, oh, I didn't. Um, this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah, when you when you look at the Bucks playing the Eagles, who we just talked about, their defense has been a sieve, like. So I get you're telling me I can combine Cowboys Bucks, who are going to be two of the offenses in the best situation to put up lots of points in round one. And I'm always really aggressive with my teams like I'm building them with lots of Ravens. I'm building them, you know, sometimes with 49ers. Obviously, you can't do a Dallas and Tampa Bay combo with 49ers unless you're doing something with like five bye week players and then you're willing to punt off, you know, one or two players that are just going to be dead in round two for you. Um, but we, we won't get too much into the game theory aspect of it there. But to, to circle back to your Rashad White question, yes, I'm drafting Rashad White. Typically, I will not take as much Rashad White as I would Mike Evans because roster construction considerations typically push me towards wanting to take a wide receiver on an underdog team as opposed to a running back on an underdog team. Just the way that I like to construct my rosters for optimizing uh, for the way that I think this contest should be played. Um, but there are going to be times where I'm thin enough at running back that I'm willing to do something like Rashad White, Mike Evans, skinny stack, get me through the early rounds. If the Bucks win round one, great. If they win round two, I'm because the way that I play the game, the Bucks are never my primary stack. If I've advanced to round three, it's probably because my primary stack with my quarterback is going to the conference championship. And so in the event that I am in the conference championship round and I have my primary stack alive and I have Rashad White, Mike Evans alive, I bet you I'm like 70 plus percent to advance to the Super Bowl at that point because of the way that I build my teams for the contest. 
And so, yeah. Mike so just, Evans. Uh, just, I guess just to, to uh, uh, ask to, to sort of dive in here. Um, so Tampa Bay, it says here, uh, 69% to make the playoffs. Nice. Uh, very nice. 5% to um, to make the conference championship. And I guess the question is, 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 is roughly speaking, is a 69% chance to make the playoffs, is that enough uh, for us to be drafting them now? prior to this weekend and um, when there, there's outcomes where they don't make it or next next week you'll you'll know you'll, you'll just know who's in the playoffs right they're right on them and jacksonville are right on the threshold for me of like, right it's okay to take them there but you shouldn't be starting your draft with the plan of i'm gonna go mike evans and rashad white and those are my advance rate pieces like that's what happens that's what you do when you get forced into that path of the game tree. Like, this is the thing that makes right. the most sense for me. I already have Dallas, so right. I really I, don't I built wanna... my Dallas stack, and um, let's say I, I have a... I, 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 I have a, a stack on the other side where the QB is already gone. Oh, shit. Somebody just took my... Uh, somebody just took... Um, what's it? Dak Prescott. Now I got to figure out a quarterback stack... Okay, who's there? Uh, Trevor Lawrence and, and, and Jacksonville. I, I, I don't know. You're probably not doing Baker Mayfield on Tampa Bay. I, yeah, I probably, as far as like the grossest solo quarterback that I'll do for like this team could make a run, like Matt Stafford, Joe Flacco, those ones are like, because you see their, their odds of conference championship is 15% for Stafford yeah. and 22% for Flacco. That's high enough for me, you know, like in right. the outcomes where that plays out, like I'm cooking. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't do Baker. Like my break glass in case of emergency wouldn't be, oh, I'm taking Baker Mayfield and it's bucks all the way, baby. It would more <laughs> so be like, I've got five players on by and I'm literally my, my round one player that's hitting my lineup right now is like Tony Pollard and Brandon Cooks. And then I'm like staring right. down who are my my last three players going to be to fill right. out my starting roster. It's like, oh, It's not going to be the, the, the third string uh, tight end for uh, for the Ravens. No, or, no, or yeah. Like that. Yeah, I, I at that point that I'm like, well, it's gross. It probably doesn't work the vast majority of the time, but it's logical. It keeps me within structure. And when I win playing the game this way, I win a disproportionate amount of money compared to playing it in the less optimal fashion. So, okay, and um, that um that makes sense. Can can I'm I'm going to uh, I'm going to go back to our uh, our regularly um, scheduled programming. Yeah, just I thought it made sense to show that in in the context of the conversation. And it's, it's okay to be proud of that that infographic, Drico. I, I like <laughs> you know, I, I spent a lot of time working on it. I'm really proud of it. I really, I, dude, I've sent it around to a bunch of people. I've been like, look at this cool thing Drico whipped up. I think it's like really intuitive way to look at all the conference championship odds. It's nice and neat. You know, shows all the playoff stuff. So it's good, man. Thank you. Um, and then uh, I think Kyron Williams, he's another example of a player like Rashad White. But he, he feels a lot better. He, he's obviously much more expensive. And uh, then Rashad White, but it, it, it feels better given that your 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 conference championship odds are fifteen percent, and you know he, he's playing well, and, and and the Rams' offensive have been notably better, or it seems to me anyway, notably better than uh, than the Bucks. 
that 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 feels like an emotional take, but I, I think is right too. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. And the the hard part about the Rams for me is like, I really like them to help me get by week heavy teams through, but I don't really want them when I have San Francisco because right. they're gonna see San Francisco in round two pretty much, no matter what right. happens. Right. Barring. If you're taking a, if you have a, if you have a one seed stack, you cannot take the six or seven. You, you, right. Just that, th- those are just numbers. You're betting, yeah, you're betting on something that's way too thin, in my opinion. Um, and so then it's like, all right, so now I'm pigeonholed into when I have Lamar and Raven stacks, that's when I can do the Ram right. stuff. And the, the fickle thing about playoff best ball is like a lot of times you'd be in a room where doing the Lamar and Ravens build, everything falls beautifully and you're able to go like Kyron and Puka and you're like sick. This is like, this is a powerhouse here. I'm going to be able to advance this thing. And then you're in another room where everything goes off basically the exact same. You got the Lamar setup. You're, you're looking good for your Super Bowl matchup. You're feeling strong about it. You know, maybe your, your Cowboys and, uh, and Ravens. And then all of a sudden it's like, and Kyron Williams just got taken at pick 26. Fuck me. Like, (laughs) you're like this great plan I had is now unavailable. And for me, that's how I want most of my Rams exposure to come is through my Baltimore builds. And God, I'm just, I mean, it's so funny. I do think that um, one of the the hardest things about playoff basketball is the pivots. When you get turned away, they're, your your range of, of acceptable options are much narrower, so figuring out a pivot under time pressure is, is it's a skill you have to build, and, and, and it's the most difficult thing I think. And one of, you have to do it. One of the biggest flaws I see, even good people that are like sharp drafters, good good best ball players overall, might not be the best playoff best ball players, but one mistake I see people make all the time is they'll get blown up on what they want to do as plan A. And they'll say, forget everyone in this room. I'm going to nuke this draft and I'm just going to worry about advancing and min caching. And oh yeah. I dude, thought, I thought you were describing me for a second, but like, yeah, that, I, that, that's awful. Like that you, you should just go to the casino. Yeah. The, the, the trying to min cash thing mm-hmm. is like, if you've ever, I mean, like now I'm telling you, so like, don't feel bad about it. Like, just don't do it anymore. But if after you've heard this, you're like, I'm just going to try and min cash. Like that is the stone worst thing you can do. Like, and, and you don't even have to take my word for it. Like just go do the expected value math on the tournament. In fact, right. I mean, let me just here. I, I put this together cause I was having this conversation um, with someone in a discord channel and send me uh, the screenshot and I'll throw it up if you want here. I'm just, I'm sharing this. And uh, are we resumed? Let's let's zoom a little bit here. Um, How do I? There we go. Um, okay, so this is just like over here. We have prize structure and all that stuff. Um, but what I did here is you've got your base advance rate. So this is purely just the probabilities of advancing based on the structure. So two of six, two of fourteen, one of eight. Right. You're neutral. You're neutral. Right. This is for the gauntlet. And then I have adjusted advance rate and I just put this together to show as a thought experiment for like right. the, the min cash bros, um, why it's so bad. 
And so for people that have followed some of the playoff basketball content we put out about how large an advantage you can have in round three, where like you can quite literally get to 100% advance rate in your round three pods if you're playing the game correctly. And so like this 45% adjusted advance rate, in my opinion, is like, that's probably like your worst case scenario for the teams that things go well for that you actually, you know, get here. Um, and I, I've got your adjusted advance rate out of round one all the way down at 10%, which is like that, that would be like pretty close to what your only your, your very best teams are getting true. Yeah. That, that would, that would be like what your advance rate would be taking a zero at quarterback every week. So like, even if you do something like say 15%, so you're like, I'm half, I'm less than half neutral advance rate. Like when you look at the expected value difference and we can, we can even drop this a little and say that say instead of 45, we're at only 0.4. It's like you look at the EV and this is for max entering both of these. You're, you're like dominating. You're like a thousand dollars more EV playing the contest through optimizing for the later rounds and not worrying about your min cash. Like you can nuke this round one rate all the way into the ground, like literally only having four active players, you know, and you'll still be plus EV if you're just, just for a demonstration. Put what if you put in 5% and 20%? Ooh, 5% five, 5 in round one. Yeah. Oh God. I mean, I don't even think that's possible without like, I don't think rolling. it's possible either. And then oh, oh okay okay so five fifteen to, from fifteen to five is like okay so yeah okay so that you you re, that that's one sixth of the base rate sorry I, yeah you'd have to I mean because last year five percent of teams advanced or would have advanced taking a zero at quarterback like literal zero points and that was right. one of six so like ten percent feels extremely low to me for advance right. like, yeah 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 honestly yeah. fifteen. If you're if you're out here building aggressive teams where you're like I'm building five bye week players and only five active, then you might be somewhere between ten to fifteen percent advance rate. Um, but you you honestly right. Could be it's, the than that. it's the equivalent of eight percent advance rate in in normal basketball. Yeah, yeah, which is just like you can't really do like if you looked at uh, Easy's uh, BBM sheet that he had in the deposit kingdom like even the worst people were like not at eight percent you know like right you, you could like and look at this even even if you only have 30 percent advance rate from the finals round which like i promise you if you play this contest the correct way of optimizing for the conference championship round like you are gonna turn the cards over and have like however many teams you got to the finals you're gonna be like i'm advancing all of these but maybe two you know like it's right. gonna be real good um yeah, it's just so much of the EV is in that round, you know, like getting into the finals is all the EV. And so optimizing for the round where you can, like you literally can get yourself to 100% here. And it's not like, a oh, that happens once in a blue moon. It's like, if you build the way I'm telling you to build, you could get this to 100%, right. you know, on a chunk of your, your rosters. And, and, so, and you're only, yeah, you're only what you call it. You're only, quote, quote, only, you're. It's not like this is is, is ex that extreme. You're, you're probably what two and a half x the uh, the base rate, and, and and the logic there is that um, the logic is that most people who are building teams, uh, they're drafting teams with five or six like different drafted teams, or may or, or maybe even seven, and so by the time they get to the conference championship, they have like two players left three players left 
And if you're building, if you're building to have six or seven, and, and, and most people have two or three, I, 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 am I in the range there? You're, where... Yeah, you're you're nailing it. And I'll show you. I, I first built this sheet out to try and like give myself some target thresholds for how I wanted my portfolio to be constructed. And right. I'll tell you my goal and and how I initially built this sheet was that I was going to aim for something like this. Um, because I think 20% advance rate out of one, round one is very attainable. I think I have a pretty substantial edge on the field already by round two, um, because there's lots of people that are doing like, oh, I took Dallas and I took the Rams, or I took you know Miami and Kansas City, and it's like those guys play each other round one. Not for sure yet, you know, but after week right. 18, we'll know. Um, but it's like, yeah, those guys play each other round one, bud. So you just nuked a bunch of your equity. Um, and, but and yeah. the, the other thing is what like even people who are drafting um straight up uh, sorry they're they're stocking teams they're not thinking about the round two at all right right and so yeah I, I felt like this was a pretty reasonable assessment of like i'm gonna be punting a little bit in round one i'm gonna be much better than the field in round two and i should be able to pretty healthily dominate the field in round three but even if i'm even if things don't go great for me like when you when you kind of break down the math like this, you'll see why like and I apologize if when I explain this stuff, like if I'm going over the same stuff over and over to people in the discord, like if I come across as a little frustrated, it's because I've spent so much time on this that like I know what the right answer is. And so when I'm like explaining it, it's easy. It's just human nature to get frustrated on something where like, you know, the right answer and someone's like, but it's not that and you're like, no, dude, like it's this and it's this for like 20 different reasons. Like it's not just this expected value calculation I'm showing you here. It's like all this other stuff that I've looked into as well. But anyway, I, I wanted to share this because I think that this format is, you know, probably the very largest edge that we have in, in right. these games. And so like if you spend the time to, you know, put in some effort and learn how to play the format optimally, I bet you you still got a solid two years, three years before the format is like much sharper and harder to beat. Um, I think it'll get progressively sharper year over year um, because idiots like me are telling everyone what to do and ruining the edge. But like, dude, when you think of the overall reach that, you know, content like this has compared to the field, like the field's still going to be bad for a couple of years. So I, right. if you like, if you like, playing best ball and drafting teams and you want it to be a profitable venture. Like I'll tell you, I went extremely high risk, extremely high risk last season and had zero KC Philly matchups. Like almost, I think I might've had a couple in my portfolio that I built, but next to zero and I still profited. Like it's just like, right. I, I made teams to the finals, So I profited, you know? Um, I know we, we we sort of covered that it's not a uh, it's not a player take um, uh, contest, but I think it it is still interest. It's it's in, I guess it's interesting to me that even over the last four games we sort of called it when um, David Montgomery was coming back from injury that Jameer Gibbs has played well enough to still be the starter. And it's it's sort of nuts to me that he is still the starter, and they're sort of tr treated like one A one B in drafts, and, and and they sort of are, 
a little bit, but at the same time, they're also sort of not. Like, if, if we're looking at if we're looking at this data, and and, and Jameer Gibbs is on the field sixty percent of the time, like similar amount of time as uh, Javante, um, and and uh, James Conner, like, and that to me that's like you know, maybe um maybe I I, I need to uh I. I my before I I looked at this chart, my my gut feeling was like, okay, I want to play a good bit of David Montgomery just because, like, I I feel like variance is going to return him back in my favor. But Gibbs is a starter. Yeah, I one thing I want to look at. Would you mind going to the backup chart so we can see David Montgomery? The thing that I'm looking at here is I want to look at their pass blocking uh, snaps for each of them, and so. Yeah, so here, if you look at now, the the bar looks smaller because Montgomery's out there for less. But I am I'm curious as to the just under forty percent is his uh, productive. Okay, and um, Gibbs Gibbs is somewhere. Oh, okay, you're right. Gibbs is somewhere out there. Like his his like fantasy productive. So rushes plus roots is fifty percent. And his 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 actual total rushes is twenty, and then Montgomery is a little over twenty. So yeah, you're right. You're right. They're and they're close, Gibbs, but I do I agree with you that like Gibbs is the one you want to own in these fantasy contests, right? For, for given the that they're so close in price, the the spot that I would say you want Montgomery is when you're playing Lions to the Super Bowl, um, because you, then you're getting some positive game scripts in there and you know that Montgomery is the guy they like to salt the game away with. Like that's their big power establish the run type back where Dan Campbell wants to bite kneecaps off and run it down their throat. Um, so we, we can go back to the starter chart now. And yeah. then, uh, also if you wanted to share our smiling faces with the audience, I'm sure they're missing them here. Oh, we are, oh, we are hitting. I'm, I'm, I'm just a, I'm a, a stream yard amateur. That's, I'm that's okay. Best. But I, I was on that out. I was spending all that off camera time uh, picking my nose and doing things <laughs> like that. So that was great. Um, but yeah, as far as other backs that I think are interesting, um, you know, as we head into the playoff contest type season, if the Colts make Jonathan Taylor's kind of interesting, um, you know, in playoff basketball, he'll be a last round guy still, you know, maybe ninth round, but you'll, you'll get him for free. And the thing that I really like about this, uh, the AFC, is you can end up with either the Colts or the Texans playing the Bills. And I know that the Bills have been hotter lately. You know, they've had, they kicked the shit out of the Cowboys. They beat the Chiefs. Like, you know, they're they're running hot. They barely beat the East and Stick-led Chargers, though. Like, I'm not You're not a juggernaut. No, I'm not as convinced as everyone else that the, like, tagline that you'll hear around the bills is they might not have the best playoff probability but we know they can make a run if they get in there and to that i'm like really do we know that they can make a run like and they I, could i mean to but... be fair their conference championship odds are 27 percent, which is that that's pretty high oh yeah no for for sure they they absolutely like all of the odds say that they can make a run they're basically the thing is in the afc it's like there's the Ravens, and then it's like a four-horse race. It's like the yeah, Browns, yeah. the Bills, the Chiefs, really, and the really, Dolphins are all really close wide. enough that it's like it's pick your winner, you know? And so 
for me, I kind of like the Bills as a potential yeah. upset spot. Um, I don't think that the I really don't think the Colts have the ability to upset them. Like I want to put a little respect on the Bills name there, but like you're telling me that if the mm-hmm. Texans go into Buffalo and CJ Stroud, you know, top five quarterback in the league now, better than Josh Allen, um, that's just in there to tilt Liam. Uh, but <laughs> CJ Stroud goes into Buffalo. You don't think they have like a snowball's chance in hell of an upset? Because I, that's a spot that I kind of like. Um, yeah, they, yeah, and the Colts upset them last year, didn't they? In in regular season, I rem- I remember it was a week where um, Jonathan Taylor was like ten thousand dollars on, um, or was that the year before? Yeah, it was the sorry. I think it that's got to be the year before. It was the year before, and it was the one. Um, where the Colts weren't actually that good, and and the Bills were, um, were like, they they had their they had their championship squad together, and the Colts upset them just because they couldn't they couldn't stop JT. Yeah, and I I could definitely see, you know, I I just think all of the really this is more like a broad AFC thing rather than I'm not just trying to pick on the bills. I just think every team in the AFC outside the Ravens really have quite a few warts on them. Right. Like, yeah. And so I think that for me, the way that I play the AFC is especially now while the playoff uh, like seating is still a little ambiguous is that the upsets will be more likely to come on the AFC side than they would be to come on the NFC side. So then I'm willing, you know, like, for example, you could very reasonably have a six and seven team both win on the AFC because that's, yeah. you know, Dolphins or Bills are going to be the six. And then the seven is going to be, you know, Houston or Indy, most likely, maybe Pittsburgh and some outcomes, in which case, like, good luck on getting an upset. But, right, you know, it, it it's to me, it's not that outside the realm of possibility to say Dolphins upset the Chiefs. Texans upset the Bills, and all of a sudden you're looking at like, okay, I actually could have taken, the, you know, the six seed Dolphins and planned on them not running into the Ravens in round two because I played it like the Texans were going to upset the Bills. So I'm willing to do that on the NFC more than I'm willing to do it, or willing to do that on the AFC more than I'm willing to do it on the NFC. Now. It's not to say that the Cowboys are some unbeatable force. Like it would be the most Cowboys thing of all time for them to lose at home in embarrassing fashion in week one of the playoffs. But I think that that's way more likely if they run into the Rams who would need to win this weekend and, uh, and maintain their seating versus the Packers uh, or or win this weekend and get the, the seating uh, versus the Packers who, you know, if the Packers beat the Bears um, and the Rams lose, then now the Packers move up to the sixth seed and the Rams are down to the seventh seed and face the Cowboys. So that's just one thing where I'm considering where I'm like, Cowboys probably don't get upset by the Packers, but like getting upset by the Rams is definitely in the range of outcomes. So I think another way to mix Rams in, like if you're like me and you're kind of underweight Rams because you're waiting for playoff odds to consolidate, a good way to do it is when you fade Cowboys, you could do some Rams, you know, um, cause I think they're, they're probably someone in the, in the leg up discord is pointing out that right now, the probability, if you pull up your playoff odd sheet, it's got, um, oh, actually I don't think that it's got the, uh, the seating. Oh yeah, it does. It, it has, it, does. On there. It has yeah. Rams right now as 91% to maintain their seed. 
Um, but I believe that Spike Week ran their simulations for that with the scores and odds that they they source from scores and odds um, prior to all of the news of the 49ers and Rams resting players. And so they didn't have, you know, the new lines that are considering the fact that it's now Carson Wentz starting at quarterback versus Sam Darnold and, you know, the, the Island of Misfit Toys playing in that game. So um, I do believe that those odds probably move a little bit down from Rams being 91% to maintain that seed. Um, so that's just some uh, some food for thought there. So um, we can. So the spread right now is three and a half, minus three and a half, 49ers. Um, yeah, and I'll I'll pull up what I was uh, what I was seeing here. So they uh, open as four and a half, and I think. Um, So, so this uh, this user in the Leg Up Discord shared. I want to say that this was uh, from Circa. He shared that if you parlayed 49ers money line and Packers money line, um, which is yeah. what you would what you would need to have happen, right, for the seating to change, um, that's plus 145. So it happens like 40 percent of the time, according to the odds currently on Circa. Um, so I would just say, you know, that that 91% probability for the Rams to face Detroit here is probably closer to like 60%. The other thing is, I think that... And, and so, um, where is it? Um, tell me if I need to switch off this. Uh, no, no, this is publicly available. Yep, yep. Um, so um, 91 and 9. So... Uh, at, the, they actually um they're giving them zero percent chance to be anything but the uh the six or seven seed because that's that's how it would play out they can't be anything other um because of the tiebreakers i believe that green bay holds tiebreaker oh. over the rams and holds tiebreaker over new orleans um so then what so so then the rams could feasibly be the seven seed is, yes is that what yeah okay. very very feasibly um this this user the the plus 145 implying about 40 percent implied odds of that for me that's probably a little high because i think that that's assuming they've got the 49ers at like minus 200 and that's like for for money line which to me doesn't seem right in a game of backups i think you're probably much closer to oh okay gotcha. and yeah. so for for me the way i've kind of been drafting around it is like sure it's not 91 percent anymore but it's also not as bad as 60 percent you're probably somewhere right. in like the 70 to 80% range um, that LA holds on to that six seed. Um, because right. you're also, you know, it's not like Green Bay has been a powerhouse. They, they still got to beat the Bears, you know. So um, anyway, right. that's that's important for people to note, especially if you're using our tool over on Leg Up and you see that 91%. I just want you to know like, hey, the way, you know, where we're sourcing those odds from, I think ran that earlier this week before all this news. And they'll probably rerun it. Um, so that should get updated. But like if you are drafting right now while you're listening to this and it's still 91%, um, just be willing to IKB it a little bit and have a little bit more uncertainty there with how you're they've, doing it. Uh, they've changed it to 90%. Okay. Yeah. So I, I would assume just my understanding of the way that their simulations are pulling data, um, that the scores and odds data that they're grabbing from that is not, not right. current with the money lines. Um, 
but right. I bet you, yeah. bet you it'll probably be updated like tomorrow or something. So that um that makes sense. Um, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us, Hope. Yeah, happy to see Hope in the chat, um, delivering all these fantastic playoff contests to us. Also, shout out to Hope for like one of the best quality of life changes I've seen on Underdog of showing the advance rate structure on the little tournament card when you open up a tournament now like if you okay. open up the mitten three it says one of six advanced to round two which so nice to not have to click into the rules and read through like okay what is it to advance each round yeah so, yeah kudos. That, that is a that's a big big change good good stuff hope uh yeah super happy Un underdog hiring hope and Numu is like one of the things that gave me the largest boost of confidence in the platform honestly it's like all right i i know that hope and Numi know like what would right, be the player for? experience. Yeah, so that that was cool. Thank you, Hope. Um, so is there anyone? What are we missing here with DeAndre Swift down here at uh, just over? Uh, just a title under fifty percent snap share. You may want to pull up the chart while we talk about it. Um, oh, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. You're That's fine. Awesome. We've been we've been bouncing around. I'm I'm like giving you difficult hosting duty here um so not I know difficult i just suck <laughs> so swift had a little bit of um uh you know he had some injury stuff i want to say a couple weeks ago you got a higher uh kenneth gainwell game didn't we um where gainwell got more of the snaps um and you can you can actually see that on gainwell here he's like now yeah. slightly above 40 percent um and so i think that's part of it but Man, the uh, like if we want to kind of get into the the knowing ball um, film grinder stuff, I think that the Lions' concerns around DeAndre Swift of like he's never healthy, he's not available, might be more true than I gave them credit for. Um, where I just thought the Lions are a boomer org and they are making these dumb like football guy type decisions where they're ignoring the talent of this player because he had some bad injury luck. But as Swift's efficiency has kind of waned and his explosiveness has waned and, you know, we're even we're seeing his snaps and usage go down here. It seems like there might have been something to what the Lions were kind of implying about Swift, where, yeah, this guy just can't really carry like a full workload in the NFL and still be the best version of himself. It's not like. I think he's a great player. Like he's an awesome running back. He's super electric and explosive right. when, he's, when he's himself, but he hasn't looked like himself in these last few weeks. Um, so who knows? It, maybe it's a thing where he's getting better from it. Maybe, but you know, we're at the end of a, a pretty long grind of a season for these guys. So right. the, the fresh legs thing is kind of a meme, but it, it, there's also definitely some truth to it, you know? So I think that might be what we're seeing with Swift, and he's a it's guy. It's definitely that a concern given um, given uh, Swift's price, and, and that he's going alongside some like start definitely starting running backs. I'll say he falls a ton now. I, I won't yeah. be surprised. The thing about the underdog ADP updating is it is rather slow, and it's got a lot of the historical components. Yeah, to it. that's so fair. Like, he's he's kind of anchored where he was. Like it took a long time for Jarek McKinnon to drop down to becoming like nearly undrafted after he mm -hmm. went on IR. So 
I would say by the time the contest closes, you'll see Swift in a more appropriate range. And I bet right. you that he, he lands somewhere right below Gus Edwards would be my guess. Yeah, I, that, that makes sense. That makes sense for sure. Um, I, I, I think we've, we've sort of covered everyone on this chart. That's, um, yeah, let's, let's get to the, uh, the efficiency charts. Cause there's a few other takeaways we can have here. Number one is that everyone who was drafting Brees Hall was the most fucking right. You could possibly be because this is the best player in the NFL. Like this guy <laughs> is so good. You know, there's one other running back that's close to Brees Hall and his name's Christian McCaffrey, but Brees Hall is that dude. I cannot, I'm going to ruin the price right now. It's Brees Hall 101 for me next season. If you're not on board, you know, I'll see you when I got my 100% Brees Hall. <laughs> um, but no, I, I needed to victory lap Brees Hall once more. And the fact that he was like a guy that you kind of needed in the playoffs felt pretty good too. Right. Um, wish I could have won some more money with him. That would have been even cooler. But uh, you know what's better than winning yeah. money, Draco, is being right. Um, yeah. So that was fun. Uh, but you know, I, I, I had the same same experience, Um I, I think that is interesting, though. Um, I, I, you're honestly Brees Hall over CMC next year. Um, I don't think I'll need to be. You know, like no, no, you the won't. Market will force me to be, so no, I, I won't be. But uh, if you're if you're asking me legitimately, like if you're saying be hundred percent honest to me, you know, gun to your head, you have to tell the truth. Who do you think is the better? player at playing running back in the NFL, I bet you dollars to donuts. You put Brees Hall in the 49ers offense, he's 200 scrimmage yards every single game. <laughs> like, and it's probably no doubt, you know, like that's a, that guy's a monster. CMC's, and it's not to take anything away from CMC. That guy's what, you know, generational talent, immediate hall of famer, you know, like right. absolute all time goat, like up there with LaDainian Tomlinson, you know, Marshall Falk, like level of incredible running back. Um, so could it be then uh, CMC 101, Brees Hall 102? I don't think it'll go that way. I think you got um, a lot of vividness from some of these wide receivers, you know, going off where like, I think you're going to get, you know, CD lamb. And I don't, I don't think you're going to be able to get Justin Jefferson out of the top five. No, you won't. You won't. You're right. So I, I think you got CD lamb is like, made himself a place in the top five with the way that he finished his season, which is a huge yeah. bummer to me. I was like, God, can you just dud week 17 so I can have you at affordable prices next season? But yeah, I think if we're if we're looking next season, it's probably CMC 101. Probably like, I, I think what we'll have this next year though is less of a, because uh, this year it felt really like it's always Jefferson 101. It's always Chase 102. And it's right. almost always CMC 103, right? I think we'll have a lot more uh, variability in the guys that are in that first tier. Like, But I, I think that right. top six is going to be something like CMC, Justin Jefferson, CD Lamb. You still probably get Jamar Chase up there. And then, in my opinion, you probably should have Garrett Wilson in there, too, if if the jets are looking like they'll have a quarterback um, because of how, but I, I well shout out, shout out with, with no quarterback. Yeah. I, he I, I think there's a good chance that this could be a year where like, like the 22 season where if you the 101 through 106, you feel so good about your yes. first pick. And yeah, then Ty, Tyree still has to be in there, you know, but 107 and later, I, I think people might feel pretty like they, they've lost out. Because that yeah. top six is so good. 
I, I agree that the that early tier now the fun the fun part is going to be you know that back half of the first round I bet I mean just like we saw this year that's where like all the that's where the money stuff was came from yeah that's that's where the money was and I to me that kind of feels like that's going to be the case again because it's when you have a tier of players that everyone's so confident it should be priced above them like they're usually right the market's pretty good at that and then every next tier that you go down like the uncertainty increases. And mm -hmm. when you get uncertainty surrounding pricing players that are still really, really good fantasy assets, getting the correct ones of that bunch can be the thing where it's like, yeah, right. I just want all the money because I went CD Lamb, Amon Ra, you know? Right. Uh, but to, to take it back to um, stuff that can be useful to people, maybe in FFPC contests or playoff best ball, we do see some guys that are in this elite category. Um, I got an interesting one for you. Packers make the playoff, let's say. Okay. What are we doing with Aaron Jones here, who's in this 20 expected fantasy points category? Um, that is interesting. Um, he, 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 he sort of pops as the, uh, okay, you, you've stacked a bunch of, uh, you've stacked a bunch of Ravens. You're worried about your your uh, having enough players to advance out of round one. Um, Aaron, Aaron Jones is free there. Um, that 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 feels like the appropriate thing. Where I I don't feel like I don't feel any confident any confidence that the Packers make a run in the playoffs. Um, but like come 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 the playoffs if they're in the round one. Any of the let's rest Aaron Jones because he's older or whatever that, that goes at the window. It's like we 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 really need to win this game. You're you're getting a lot of snaps. You're playing. Um, I've got a. I I kind of want to look at Aaron Jones through the lens of the FFPC playoff challenge. Um, because I I know that you have some really good insights there as well. So let's just say that it ends up being, uh, let's do Packers and. We'll say it stays Packers Cowboys like it is right okay. now, right? So it's Packers Cowboys. What are you? How are you playing the Packers? Are you full fade? Are you soft fade? Or would you do? I mean, what what other options do you think are viable here? So, um, okay, so we're shifting to the FFPC and uh, um, playoff tournament, and 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 for context, you have to pick. You have to play. 14 players and two of them are kickers or say one of them is a kicker one of them is a defense so um they're considered soft fade and then two teams you have to select and that you're you 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 are not picking a player from and and generally speaking the soft fade and, and, and hard fade they're the ones that you're picking not to advance onto the second round and so um Assuming that the Packers play the Cowboys, and, and, and damn you for making me say this, um, the Cowboys would be pretty heavy favorites over the Packers. And so it would be um, extremely, extremely um, contrarian to pick a Packer, uh, to pick a Packers skilled position player um to uh in, in in this contest because then almost almost by design 
you are um you're you're almost forced to at least soft fade the cowboys where you're you're taking their kicker or something like that and um, just with how the bracket uh, is set up just how you you just have to make those choices and um, and i mean if you want to go down narrative street where the the cowboys are, are sort of perennial disappointments and, and and this year will be no different then then you do something you you probably do something like aaron jones um or uh, if, if he's back for the playoffs in time Jaden reed um and, and and with the packers if you are picking a skilled position player you don't have to go down the the depth chart at all you're going to be so contrary in picking a skill position player for them um that you you you're you're uh you, you you can pick you can pick their best players yeah i think the the reason that it was interesting to me and i wanted your opinion on it was i thought of that as one of the because because like you said in this ffpc playoff contest getting weird or like finding leverage doesn't have to come from like how you would typically think about it in a dfs contest where you're playing right heart throws you're playing like the best player just on a team that's unlikely to win, or you're playing the mm -hmm. second best player on a team. And so, for example, the Cowboys will probably, like people that play the Cowboys in this tournament, the vast majority are going to play him through CeeDee Lamb. You're going to yeah, have like yeah, yeah. 70, no 80, 90% ownership on CeeDee Lamb. And so by soft or hard fading the Cowboys and playing someone like Aaron Jones or Jaden Reed, that affords you the luxury of playing all chalk everywhere else, right? right. Like you can jam right. You're playing, the Lamar exactly. Jackson, you play the best team, play the best plays. And the thing that's attractive about that is you really only have to get that one contrarian thing, right? And then if everything else goes, you know, according to the probabilities, you win all the money. And so right. those are really interesting plays in that contest. And so with Aaron Jones kind of popping on this chart, he felt like he fit in the discussion for that. Right. And I, I, I think, you tell me if you disagree with me, I think in the context of that tournament, it's not like you're, you're, you are you have three teams and then two of them are Aaron Jones teams. No. It's no. like you have 20 teams and one of them is an Aaron Jones team. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then I've, you're doing all the best plays everywhere else. Yes, yeah. I, I've definitely thought about that as like, give me one. I Prior to making these charts i was like god i love Jaden reed like it'd be so fun to play a Jaden reed team in in the ffpc challenge and then now seeing aaron jones with the Jaden reed injury it's like maybe i just play it through aaron jones but like to be perfectly transparent i don't even know if i'll i'll get there like i don't know right. if i'll have the stones to do a right that that is such a contrarian eight. play and but it's it you you can make you can make a great team that, that has like those very pussy v with aaron jones right right um, anyway, yeah, I thought he was interesting. Um, on this chart, there wasn't, we already covered David Montgomery a little bit. Um, you know what? I think we do have both, uh, Justice Hill and Gus Edwards on this chart though, who are now kind of, uh, they're, you know, two ships passing in the night here. We see Justice Hill's expected fantasy points increasing from where he had been. And Gus right. Edwards is starting to come down a little bit. Um, part of this is just variance in Gus Edwards not getting goal line touches, right? That when Gus Edwards gets a goal line touch, like he was, you know, everybody remembers Gus Edwards, King Vulture for a couple weeks, where he's like getting two rushing touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns. Like 
when that's happening, his rushing expected fantasy points shoots way up. Um, he just has been running a little cold on touchdowns. So we're, we're almost to, we're not there yet, but we're getting closer to a Gus Edwards, Justice Hill flipping in the ADP in playoff best ball. And so, you know, right now, Gus Edwards goes, you know, probably in like the late 20s, early 30s, most of the time, but he's sliding more because Justice Hill just had a really big game and people have recency bias. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, you know, it's gotten harder for me to be able to fit both of them on a, a team together, um, just with the way that the ADPs have shaken out some of my, the stronger round one active running backs that you have are harder to get in these Ravens type builds that you'd want to have. I, I think Kyron is your best example and it, it can be hard to get Kyron justice and Gus Edwards along with some of the other pieces that you'd really want to have there. So I guess I'm just wondering how would you be prioritizing these running backs? Do you have a strong preference one towards the other? Are you kind of treating them as I just need one of these two guys. So I'll wait until one's off the board and I'll take the other at the cheaper price. What do you think you should be doing regarding playing Ravens running back in? I think most of the time, I guess you, you could be mixing them in and builds where you don't have Lamar, where you're still playing Ravens to the Super Bowl. But how do you think it's best to play these guys? Um, I, I mean, the price isn't even close, right? They're, they're, they're sort of pretty close to each other in terms of uh, uh, usage and um, – just well, may, maybe not that close. There, I guess what Justice Hill is there at twelve, and and Gus Edwards is at fifteen. Um, I I I think that the the price of Justice Hill being that much cheaper, especially especially with um, Gus Edwards when you're playing a Baltimore stack. And let's say you've started Lamar, you've got, say, Flowers, and now you need to use a, a, a good chunk of the middle rounds to build out, like, a, a sort of, like, secondary team that's going to help you through uh, uh, round one. Um, I think that and, – and, and like I said, Gus Edwards is right in the middle of that, the, that, that range where Justice Hill is right at the end when, when you're putting tack-on players – uh, to stacks, I think I I do think that Justice Hill is a much better play in in that context, um, but at the same time it, it it's it's a split backfield, and so you um you what you call it, you you probably don't want to get too confident one way or another. You 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 do need to figure out ways to play yeah, Gus Gus Edwards teams as well, but definitely prefer the Justice Hill side. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The way I've been playing it is I just let Gus Edwards fall. And if he free falls far enough and I'm like, right. cool, I got all the stuff I needed to get. And now Gus Edwards is here staring me in the face and there's like no opportunity costs. The other guys that I want are like, I'm looking at, you know, uh, Brandon Cooks and Jake Ferguson or David Njoku, you know, as advance rate pieces um, or, or like maybe, uh, you know, the Dallas is one of my Super Bowl sides with, with the Ravens, you know, maybe I've got Dallas and 49ers or something. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I can take any of these guys. They're all the same. It, I, I just need one of these three players. They don't really matter to me who it is. 
Um, and so now I can take Gus Edwards here at a much cheaper price. And then whichever of these three random dudes that comes back to me that I need to fill my wide receiver spot, I just click them. And so that's kind of the way I've been doing it. I, I was thinking through um, how I like to have Gus Edwards with Lamar. And I, I do really think I prefer having Gus Edwards with Lamar. Um, you know, I, I would much rather not have Edwards on a team that's say it's a 49ers build. I'm doing 49ers Ravens and I got yep. Purdy. And so I don't get Lamar, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want Gus Edwards on that team. And that might sound counterintuitive because you're thinking, oh, well, Sack, if, if Gus is cooking and eating all these rushing touchdowns up, that might mean less for Lamar. And, and that's the exact reason why I don't want that because in that circumstance where that is, is happening, right? It's easier to advance the Gus Edwards without Lamar stuff. And so it's going to be more popular. Now, granted, in this instance, I'm talking about with San Francisco, so it's two by teams. So don't worry about you know getting unique there, getting five to the final with right. two by teams is unique. But in, a, in an instance where maybe it's not 49ers, you're, you're Cowboys and Ravens, right? Then I really don't want Gus Edwards because I want to benefit from that lower advance rate effect, potentially, of Lamar teams with Gus Edwards maybe faltering a little bit when Gus has a big week and Lamar has an off week because I'm just trusting the fact that the rest of my roster, my second QB with team stack with teams that, you know, I have the potential to have four teams total live in the conference championships. I'm trusting that roster construction advantage I have on the field so that when it's difficult to get Lamar through to the finals with Gus Edwards, I'm one of the very few people that's able to do it. And Again, it's like we're thinking through this this game theory stuff where it's like, does that really matter, man? And it's like, yeah, it matters a lot because then I'm in the finals and it's me and two total teams that were able to get Lamar Gus Edwards through where on the flip side, it's just it can be much easier to do it if you're Dak Prescott Gus Edwards because Lamar failed in a week where Gus had three rushing touchdowns, right? And and so Mm. then you show up to the finals and you're Dak Prescott Gus Edwards. And it's like, yeah, you and 40 other teams have Dak Prescott Gus Edwards in the finals, which would only be a 10% ownership rate, by the way. And like, just for reference, if you're not, you know, deep in the streets on these, like last year, there were players with above 40% ownership in the finals because the nature of this contest is ownership condenses a lot because of the small rosters and how teams actually advance through the real life NFL playoff gauntlet combined with the game within a game playoff gauntlet. Well, the base to base ownership is 18. Yeah. So like 40% is like a little over two X, which is not that big a deal. Yeah. So anyway, that's why I care about it that way. And you know, you don't have to believe me or, or buy into that being important, but God, I just hope I ship something with uh, with the Lamar Gus Edwards combo, and it was really hard to advance because that'd be a fun victory lap. But uh, anyway, I do think that's important. I think it's an edge that you can get if you if you're thinking through it correctly. Um, so anyway, I, I thought the Ravens backfield is a pretty important one to talk about since they're yeah. the highest probability team to make the Super Bowl outside the 49ers right now. Um, yeah, I agree for sure. Um. And so CMC 101, nothing to talk about there really. Um, unless is there any any CMC combinations that you're you're uh, prioritizing over others? Um, in the gauntlet, 
you uh, you typically have your option right now at the 101. You go CMC, and then the two three turn is your choice of Chiefs or Buffalo. Typically, um, if you're trying to play it that way, you can deviate and do different stuff from there. But for the most part, your best looking options from that spot are CMC plus a Buffalo stack or CMC plus a Chiefs stack. And I'll tell you, I'm preferring to play it through the Chiefs because number one, the Chiefs have better probability, so that sounds good. Number two, Buffalo was way cheaper in the gauntlet earlier. And so some of the, specifically the 49ers and Buffalo combos are the ones that are some of the most nutted. Like when I look back at my old teams and I see like, oh my gosh, I got Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, James Cook, Gabe Davis. And then I also got CMC, Brock Purdy, Debo Samuel, like CN the finals for all the money if it's Bill's 49ers, you know? Right. Um, those are out there, not like a million of them. And it's also, it's still a bi-week team with the 49ers and people did have to draft those early in the life cycle of contests when information was, you know, it was more. Right. They, the they could have also players. put in some shitty seven seed that actually didn't make it. Yeah. Maybe they, they, they maybe threw have Seahawks stacks. Bijan Robinson, you know, or something like that to help get their CMC through week one. So I know I did that one time. God bless that CMC team. Sweet <laughs> angel. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm not really wanting to do the Bills 49ers version because it's like that's a worse version. It's not saying you can't draft CMC plus Bills. You can still do that, but you just want to be thoughtful about how you're doing it. Um, maybe taking a, a later leverage piece that when you do show up in the Super Bowl and face all those super teams, you're like, it actually doesn't matter that you have all those crazy pieces because I have very low Deontay Hardy, who ended up being the guy you needed in the Super Bowl. Or I have, you know, playoff Lenny Leonard Fournette, who actually got two receiving touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Or whatever it is that you do there. But yeah, CMC with the Chiefs, I, God, I'm, I'm like mad that I was in a room that let this happen. And so like, I am, I'm one-fifth guilty for this. But we were in a big mitten team. So not the gauntlet, thankfully. But we were in a big mitten. And, uh... The guy in the one hole gets CMC, proceeds to get the literal entire chief stack. He gets Travis Kelsey, Pat Mahomes, Rashi Rice, Isaiah Pacheco all the way down with CMC. It's like, feels like we probably fucked up somewhere in this room <laughs> letting this guy get that. Um, but yeah, so I, I've seen someone get it. I've been able to get it myself a few times in the gauntlet. And then I've been able to get it like minus one premium piece a couple times too. I will tell you, I'm going to, here, here's all the alpha. Here it is. Write it down. Um, the secret tech, you want to, you want to get your full chief stack through. It's not Mahomes Kelsey at the, at the two, three turn with CMC. It's Pacheco and Rice. And the reason for that, and I believe me, I've tested all the different versions and Pacheco and Rice is the one that gives you the best chance of letting the room get it back to you. At right. first I thought, man, it's got to be rice kelsey because no one's going to take naked mahomes with no pass catcher or mahomes pacheco no one's going to do that i was wrong people will do that <laughs> right. um, and, and so when you take pacheco who has gotten steam lately because he had a big game and you take rice who has gotten steam and then you leave yucky dusty kelsey on the board with mahomes with only that as the option that's where people let it fall. So I've had success doing it that way. I would recommend if you're trying to get the CMC plus the full Monty on the Chiefs, you, you try it with the Pacheco Rice double tap. 
And the beautiful thing about that is when that fails, when it comes back and it gets blown up and you don't get Mahomes, Kelsey, guess what you hit at the four five? It's the hard E break into the Browns, baby. It's just four Browns right in a row. And now you're Browns 49ers Super Bowl and no one can stop you. So yeah, that's a, that's a pretty great one in my opinion, because when shit goes bad for you, you still end up with a very viable Super Bowl combo with a very strong team around advancing out of round one. It's like, that's probably like, that's the secret tech right now. So there you go. There's all the alpha. So, the, and and this is, I, I'm not sure if I've blown someone else up by doing this. Um, but one thing I, that I have seen is um, cheap Mahomes and Kelsey where I don't get uh, Rice and Pacheco. I've done that, cheap Mahomes and, and Kelsey, and then tacked on um, CEH and uh, one of the random um, pass catchers. That, that like, that felt like fine to do. Obviously, that's not that's not as good as just getting the full Monty premium, but that felt fine, right? That 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 wasn't like some. Yeah, no, it's not a. It's not that taking Mahomes Kelsey is a donkey thing to do after Rice Pacheco are off the board. It depends on the rest of your build with like what's going to be just available. A, the room is donkeys, so they won't do that. Yeah, yeah, um, but there are. Yeah, it's just you can, you can trust that it's. You just want to leave the grossest two players on the board yeah. in the room's perception, even though right. it shouldn't be like the Mahomes Kelsey sack is gross. That's just what the market in general yeah. feels like right now. And it, but the the difficult thing is this is a little bit more art than science. It's different in every room. Like you might be in a room where someone's like the biggest Travis Kelsey fan of all time because they love Taylor Swift and they're like Kelsey's right. going to be back for the maybe playoff. Taylor Swift is in your draft room on underdog. Exactly. Yeah. You ever think about that? So, <laughs> um, anyway, I got it. I would love if we got confirmation that Tay Tay is just out here blasting off his big mitten. Tay Tay's already maxed the big mitten. She's she's asking Hope and Numi to come out with an even higher stakes contest. <laughs> she was like, "Where's the ten thousand dollars?" Yeah. Where's Where's this nosebleed stuff, underdog? Come on. Um, but no. Anyway, I I do think that's a really uh. I think that's a lot of edge you can get with how you're playing CMC out of the one hole. And the other thing I wanted to ask you is what about like a, um, an Amon Ra? Now I know, um, this is not a, uh, this is definitely big reaches by ADP. Amon Ra Gibbs, given that like, you know, their conference championship odds are like pretty identical to the bills and, um, and, and, and chiefs. If, yeah, pretty pretty similar to theirs, uh, and like you're getting just as premium pieces. My biggest problem with that is um, what happens to your AFC side of the bracket when you do that, because you so you start CMC and then Amon Ra and Gibbs, right? And so you're at the four or five turn. Your highest probability AFC side then is either you know, the Chiefs total dart throw guys, which is like, that's not great. Um, you're looking at, you know, maybe Dolphins stragglers. You, you got like a waddle, a Chan there. Right. Um, 
you know, you're, you're or, playing a four or five seed, or you're or, or you're, you're or you're playing your garbage. Playing the Ravens, you're playing Ravens dart throws, but then what you end up doing is you're saying I'm sacrificing CMC. CMC dies right so that my Lions can live, which I yeah. don't think is it's not the worst, right? Like, but it's also like God, you got CMC. Like, don't you want to play you're, towards the Super Bowl? Yeah. Um, but I no, I, I don't think it's terrible. I just think your your viable options in the game right. tree are limited, and it for me it's mostly limited into Ravens. So then your Detroit, San Francisco Ravens, and then you're you're also boxed for like advancing in round one. So like right. the mitten, the yeah. mitten three, for example, you, you, you uh, must take the, the Detroit Lions quarterback. Yes, because you can't. You, you can't re- you, you, you probably can't, you, well you can't take Purdy you can't take Lamar and so um then you're, you're you're almost the only viable Super Bowl option for you is where CMC is not available and so you yeah, just lost your first round pick and and you might be playing against somebody who uh I I don't you know I, I'm wondering there, there there's not a first round pick there uh that uh well you'd be playing against somebody who has Lamar in the first round. Yeah, your your pigeonhole what you're pigeonholed into there is your pigeonholed into either playing it through Lions to the Super Bowl or playing it through Browns or one of the the even lower yeah. AFC options to Super Bowl, which I got a lot of Browns to the Super Bowl, I hate to tell you. You know, like it's not I'm not terribly proud of it, but the market wasn't efficient on it, so I hammered it. Um right. But and, and I don't think that's so bad, but I usually do stuff like that when I get forced into it. And I don't really want to like, I think if, you have a, if you're, if you're building a big portfolio, like you're maxing a bunch of stuff, like for sure, that sounds, that sounds like a sick build to me. I'm like, yeah, I, I see that being really cool. I want to do that a couple times, but like for the, the average person who might be only throwing like 10 or 20 bullets in there, that's one where I'm like, ah, uh, just why, why don't instead you just do, you know, what we talked about earlier and play it CMC through the Chiefs and, right. you know, yeah. get yourself a big advantage on the earlier drafters in the contest, so. Yeah, 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 makes sense. Um, I think we're okay to move on from uh, from this chart, right? Yeah, yeah, let's hit, uh, hit tight ends here. So, um, tight end a little different uh, in, in the playoff context. Um, but more, I, I, I honestly think tight end is more, a more interesting conversation in uh, in FFPC playoff than it is on underdog because underdog, like, they get a bunch of the wide receivers, and it's like you're just taking the guy uh, of, like, the stack that you're, uh, you're building, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, like, and then I wonder, like... The, and, and, and then what, what gets interesting to me about the playoff tournament stuff is that some of these tight ends can be uh, stud killers in the way that TJ Hawkinson was like, he, he him racking up a, a gazillion targets in that one playoff game last year, just like new Justin Jefferson. Now, some of that was because Justin Jefferson was like uh, double covered every play. Um, but that, that was like the... That was the, the contrarian play that that and ended up being very successful. Like, I wonder could could George Kittle be a contrarian play? Probably not because 
you're expecting the 49ers to play at least two games. Yeah, George Kittle feels like a little bit of a bridge too far for me there. But like Sam Laporta as a, you know, I don't know how owned he'll be relative to like right. Gibbs. Gibbs and Amonra both feel like pretty comfy clicks for me, though. Like, yeah. I would say one of those two falls in the Boomer Opto um, rather than Laporta. And so. Yeah, yeah, for I, sure. Sam Laporta is not in the Boomer Opto. Now, here's here's a question. I'm like, I'm just on my way to mushing this play. This was like my favorite play two days ago, and I'm just going to mush the fuck out of it here. So David Njoku is like one of the best clicks in this contest, right? Because you're going to have the boomer opto has to be either between Amari Cooper or Brown's DST, right? Like yeah. what those those are like yeah. the boomer opto already has shirts made for both of those picks, right. you know? So it's like, how squeezed does Njoku get? And isn't Njoku like literally he's he's TJ Hawkinson, but cooler, you know? He's like cool right. TJ Hawkinson now because he's just a target monster from Joe Flacco. And it's like in in FFPC, which is tied in premium, people forget. Like if David Njoku does one of those 14 target games, like you, he, you will require David Njoku to win any money. Right. And, you know, the Browns definitely seem live to win their first round matchup. You know, like the, right. the Browns seem live to like, if I told you, like, just picture this in your mind's eye, the Browns have upset the Ravens in the conference championship game and the Browns are going to the Super Bowl and Joe Flacco has just delivered the dagger to, you know, Baltimore and he goes on to one more Super Bowl but without his his old team. Like is that really that out there? You know, like is that really that crazy? We've seen crazier things. Like Yeah. We've seen like we the the uh the Giants won those Super Bowls with Eli Manning like there's like there's been some pretty crazy results. Like it happens. And yeah. speaking of tight ends in that game, um, I wonder I wonder how far up there Evan Ingram gets in ownership. He's he's Boomer Opto hundred percent, right? Over over ETN. Yeah, because remember what Ingram did last year in the same same spot. They're like underdog to the Chargers. He he yeah. smashes pretty good. Um and you're in the same spot, and I I gotta believe, um, you know, Pat. I, I I was talking through some of these with Pat, and he he thought Ingram was Boomer Opto. I said, really? Like we we really think they'll get there? And it's like, oh yeah, like you know the the FFPC crowd are many things, but like what they're not is guys that aren't like paying attention to the news. You know, like they're definitely plugged in. Like they they might think about things a little differently than yeah you yeah I, of but, course, but like they're aware that Evan Ingram has been like this, you know, short a dot target hound, especially in matchups where, you know, the Jags are getting pressured, you mm -hmm. know, where they're trying to get the ball out. Quickly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Where they're playing, they're playing that idea that they know how the game is going to go. Right. And, and, and they will have to operate true, um, true Evan Ingram. Yeah. And I, I think too, with Christian Kirk coming back, it actually funnels more ownership to Evan Ingram because it makes all the Jags pass catchers a little murkier. Yeah. And so then when you're like, they're all the same, let me just take the guy that gets 1.5 points for reception. Right. And so that's, I do think Evan Ingram. And, and then people off. are going to be nervous about Travis Etienne because of how up and down he is. Yeah. hundred percent. 
so yeah, that that honestly makes me think that um, um, the Jaguars might be a pretty good uh, harder soft fade. Oh yeah, Jags Jags seem very very nice um, as a as a fade there, and then I I already talked about this you know more so, again as a systemic thing for the AFC like think about the Bills like who are you excited to click on the Bills for this contest like not really any it's you're the, just begrudgingly clicking dicks. Yeah, and the fantasy points have just been through, like, it's all Josh Allen, right? I mean, like, mm-hmm. sometimes you get the James Cook game out there. But it's like, what if instead I just soft or hard fade the Bills and I take Nico Collins? You know, like, that feels pretty good to me. Like, that's, you're getting, like, probably, you know, 1% combinatorial ownership on Bills soft or hard fade plus Nico Collins. And right. so it's like... That's that's almost the same thing. Th- this is the crazy part about this contest. That's almost the same thing as doing like Jaden Reed Cowboys soft fade. Yeah. But the probability of the Bills getting upset is way higher than the probability right. of the Cowboys getting. It. And so it's just like, and and right. the players project like your two v two is like way more favorable to do it the Nico Collins way, right? So it's just like yeah. rather than pick some random Bill and you're like. I hope it's 2021 and they're good at fantasy again, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Where, like, they're probably, like, what? Three, three and a half point favorites against the Texans in in Vegas. And that corresponds to, like, what, a 60% probability? I'm I'm sort of making stuff up, but something like that. And... And, and and you you get to have like a one percent combinatorial ownership on a forty percent outcome. Yeah, it's like that's why this game is so fun. Um, yeah. But as a as a Bills now, if I wanted to go bullish on the Bills, do you think Kincaid? Like, I know I've been a Kincaid hater this season, right? But hear me out. Since no one's doing anything on the Bills offense outside of Josh Allen. Why don't I just take, why don't I follow my Evan Ingram logic of, I'm just going to take the guy that gets 1.5 X on his receptions. Like, do you think it's crazy to do Kincaid? I think if you're doing Kincaid, you're, you're, you're still playing a Bill's loss. Yeah, you're right. So it's just better. It's better to do the fade then. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're probably still getting similar ownership. And, but I, I feel like that, that, that's like almost like a, you're betting them to lose. Yeah, no, you're you're right. Yeah, I think that one is uh, that one's smelling your own farts a little too much. You're getting a little <laughs> too smart here if you're doing that one. But uh, anyway, and I think I think that's I mean, uh, Jake Ferguson feels like there, there's no fucking point, right? Like I've it, I've had a couple people tell me that they think that might be one of the sharper ways to play the Cowboys. Um, you're, you're playing for a round two exit, not a round one, right? And you're playing that CD Lamb gets goose. I think you're playing for a round one exit if you do uh, Jake Ferguson. Because that's like a – it happens over one game, but feels very unlikely, extremely – even more unlikely over two games. You don't you don't think that if uh, – like let's just say CD gets like pretty goose, like six for 40 in, in the game that they lose, right? They, they okay. go to round two, he goes six for 40, so that's 10 points. And he has a good, not great game in the first 20-something points. And then okay. you get two decent Jake – two games where Jake Ferguson gets, you know, 
six for 60 and a touchdown in both. Like, so CD scores combined 30 points. Yeah. And then Jake Ferguson com- scores over combined 30 points. Yeah. He gets, and, he gets 18 just from the receptions and then you get the extra 12 from the yardage. Right. And then you get the touchdowns, you're 42. So like, I think it's thin. I don't think you're wrong. You know, I, I think it's thin that. Right. Jake my, my, good, but. my my sort of point was I'm, I'm sort of expecting like CD to be like, and, and, and I know you guys project ownership and I'm better than me. And I'm expecting that to be one of the mega CD to be one of oh, the yeah. mega smash plays. Where could even be like, like 90%, right? 90%. And then in actuality, you're getting, then you can get um, Dak Prescott at maybe like sub 10. And it's like, well, if you're going to be contrarian there, like that Dak Prescott at like somewhere between five and 10, that, that, that feels like, that feels very, very, like, very. Now good. you're, now you're speaking my language, Drico. We're talking Cowboys to the Super Bowl. I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, um, that, I, I, and I think that, that that probably is what you're talking about there, where, where you're, you're playing into the conference championship probabilities and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I, I get the Jake Ferguson thing where, you know, we're showing here that he's running 80% of routes. Uh, he's 18% targets per run, which is solid, not, not a, it, it's, it's solid. Um, and can he get 10 catches over uh, over two games and 100, 100 yards over two games and a touchdown? Yes. Like 100% he can do that. And then maybe um, maybe see if you're really batting against CD, um, then why not bet him all the way down? Yeah. Yeah. So I do... I, I honestly hadn't even got to the Dak contrarian play. I was just like, if Dak gets there, CD's just such an alpha that it's, you know. But no, I, I think you're right. That would be a really interesting way to play it. So Cowboys will probably be one of the the interesting spots um, right. to attack here. But yeah, you, I again, like you said earlier, it's not like if you have three teams, you're doing two Jake Ferguson. You know, it's like <laughs> right. if you have 20 teams, you, if you, you know, if you get a hair up your butt and you're feeling real, real right. ornery, then you might click Jake Ferguson one time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I agree for sure. Um, and then, I mean, there's, there's no next, point next, next chart. chart. <laughs> I mean, Noah Gray is the only, no. I, I, and and he, he's barely drafted, and rightfully so. Yeah, in uh, in playoff best ball, you can sell me a little Noah Gray, but in FFPC, there's not there's not a snowball's chance in hell I'm ever clicking Noah Gray. Right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Just doesn't doesn't compute. Uh, hey, Draco. Do yeah. you remember in like week two when I said Ceedee Lamb is moving up into the right? You know why I remember? Because you tell me every fucking week. <laughs> I mean. Couldn't have been a true <laughs> performance this season, man. Just gotta gotta clap it up for my guy, Cd <laughs> Lamb. That's that's some alpha shit. So that was great. Um, you know, we're seeing uh, this. This is a pretty stable chart. Obviously, we're through the season at this point. We're seeing AJ Brown like slide precipitously in these playoff best ball drafts, and he's very clearly an alpha. 
And like you mentioned, the Eagles are starting to get back on the wagon offensively. And Devonta Smith has the ankle sprain. Like, to me, this feels like it's all setting up to, like, can't you see that A.J. Brown might be the guy you need in the first round of the playoffs? Oh, yeah. Didn't they? Didn't one of the coaches say, like, this week, you know, sometimes you just have to force feed A.J. Brown. Like, that's just got, what you got to do. I, had, I hadn't caught that, but, I mean, that <laughs> – <laughs> the star, the stars are aligning. You know, like, I, I think, I think it's coming. It's coming to bury the fuck out of me with my like almost zero AJ Brown. So, AJ Brown is a hard one to do because to get him without hurts doesn't feel great, and and then you have you you have to do the one two turn thing where you're getting uh, hurts AJ Brown. And you feel like a moron because you're like every fucking person is doing this. Yeah, so now it's now a hard one to get to slide. I think what I'm gonna do for me personally is oftentimes when I get Lamar at like the four, because I'm, I'm taking Lamar like at the four now because you kind of have to to get him. Yeah. And I want I want to maintain my overweight Lamar position. It won't maintain what it's at right now of like thirty percent because it's just not mm-hmm. possible now with how high he goes. But. Uh, Yeah, when I take Lamar at the four, what I had been doing was any 49er that comes back. So it used to be that you could almost always get Lamar Ayuk at the turn. Yeah. So I have a lot of combos with that. And I had a lot of Lamar Debo from early in the cycle of the contest. And now I'm just doing Lamar Kittle. Um, But what I think I need to start doing just so that when, when the inevitable happens and A.J. Brown just buries me all the way in week one of the playoffs... I have some Lamar, A.J. Brown teams where maybe I'm not even playing that it's the Eagles as the Super Bowl opponent to the Ravens, but I'm playing it as A.J. Brown got my Lamar team out of week one, and I really needed that. So that's note note to sack. I'm doing that this week. I'm going to grab some A.J. Brown with my Lamar. I think, though, um, just to play devil's advocate, you know more about this contest than I do. You take A.J. Brown in the, in the second round – you're 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 betting on the Eagles, like you you started a substantial bet on the Eagles, right? I yeah yeah you you are, but I think that number one, there are times I've seen AJ Brown slide to the third, and so I might just like open myself up to being willing to take that over, like you know now I'm sacrificing getting a Tony Pollard that I normally would right. take in there instead, but you know usually I'm taking Tony Pollard as an advance rate piece too, so. Um, yeah, like I, I think that's okay to do those early one-offs within structure of like, I'm still within four teams that could conceive. Right. Yeah. 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 You, you still have that with, with your, with your Raven stack. If you have four of them, you, you talk on AJ Brown, that's still a viable playoff. Yeah. But maybe I'm doing something like, uh, you know, I'm doing Eagles and Rams then as my, and so. And then I might go just with literally five Ravens on the other side so that I'm set for whatever. If it is Niners Ravens, I'm still Gucci. I got five Ravens live for it. Um, mm-hmm. That way I don't have to lean into because I've got Eagles Rams that aren't going to be on by. I can then I can have five of those at, with Stafford as quarterback, you know, or I mean, shoot, even when you get the really deep hurt slide, you know, you, you can do the. Yeah, there are times, looking back, thinking about my drafts the last two days, there are times where, like, A.J. Brown and Hurts are both available at, like, the 3-4 turn when I had Lamar, and I just should have done that because it's, like, 
I don't think that's going to be super available for a long time. Even like, right. I think this is the window that you can get that. And I think that next week, you know, this, this week 18, the Eagles probably will continue to trend up. You know, there's nowhere to go, but up they, they ain't going down after losing to, to the Cardinals. So I think maybe they get back on track a little bit. The prices, you know, get, mm-hmm. get a little more normalized and, all of a sudden I'm sitting here thinking, gee, I wish I had done some of that, uh, you know, Lamar, you know, 149er, AJ Brown right. hurt stuff that had been available to me, although rarely. So anyway, I'm just thinking through that. Yeah, makes, um, makes sense for sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think... The, the sort of alphas, uh, they all make sense. Everybody knows who the alphas are. Like, everyone knows. If you're doing, you're, if you're playing Bills, you want Stefan Diggs. Um, I think it's a little interesting seeing uh, Devonta Smith in the, uh, in the sort of, like, regression, negative regression portion of this chart. Like, right next to our, our, our beloved friend, Adam Thielen. Um. But he he's been sliding hard, and so I think I think the market has more than reacted to um, some worsening fundamentals and and and, and the injury for Devonta Smith too. Yeah, I'm pretty low on Devonta Smith. Um, you know, staying consistent with my Eagles fade, and, and you know, again, I'm still scared that fade buries me now, um, but. I definitely I want to play it more through AJ Brown than anything yeah, I think at course. this point. Um, but let's go to the next chart because there's some guys on the next one that I think are really interesting conversations for playoff best ball, and that's the Dolphins wide receivers of Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. You've got the Jalen Waddle uh, ankle injury where he should be good for Week One of the playoffs. I right, right now I'm leaning towards he plays and he is. You know, maybe not a hundred percent, but he's he's out there. He's running yeah, his yeah, whole yeah. complement of. You're not getting you're not getting a pure zero, and we're not that worried about round one advance rate either. Right, um, but there are times. There's lots of times actually where I'm ending up with Jalen Waddle and a Dolphins running back as two of my only five live players in round one because I'm playing mm-hmm. for like a Baltimore and you know 49ers Super Bowl. And then I, I find myself getting a little queasy about the Jalen Waddle clicks. I'm like, oh, God, if he's not actually back, like, right. am I just nuking this thing? So I personally feel like that's a little risky. Um, so I kind of weigh yeah. that in and, and sometimes, like, tie break away from – if there's another viable path, I might do the other viable path rather than right. go in and embrace that additional risk. But, like, if that's your best path, you just lean into it and you eat the risk. And you're like, I know right. – I understand what I'm getting myself into. There, there will be some times where week one of the playoffs comes, Jalen Waddle's out there for a couple snaps, and then he goes into the blue medical tent <laughs> again, you know, and you're just like, well, there goes that really cool Lamar and uh, CMC team that I had. That was fun while it lasted. Um, but anyway, I, I do think the the Dolphins receivers are really interesting because you're getting Hill to slide a lot now. Like, yeah, I've been getting quite a bit of Hill and Lamb in the gauntlet. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you that was not available earlier in the contest. Um, So it's like, that's even though those are lower probability teams to meet in the super bowl, it's like, my God, man, if you give me, if you told me, cause I've had some where I'm like, 
C.D. Lamb, Tyreek Hill, Tony Pollard, Raheem Mostert, Jalen Waddle, Devonna Chan, Brandon Cooks, and then whichever of the two quarterbacks. And I'm like, I have the stone. We show up to the Super Bowl and this team made it. Like, we can just cut me the check. Like, save mm-hmm. the time. You know, like, no one's beating that. Um, and so I think those types of builds are really interesting where it's like, wasn't available earlier in the contest. It's players that have such a strong projection relative to the other options deeper on the team. It's like, all right, the guy that I missed out on was Rico Dowdle. So Rico Dowdle needs to outscore two of Tony Pollard, Raheem Mostert, Devonta Chan to even crack the, you know, he has to be right. two of them for me to lose. So it's like, and, and that's kind of the same thing I was talking about for the Chiefs, you know, um, where right. like, hey, I can get all the Chiefs and other people didn't have it like this. You put yourself in a position where when you do make the finals with that, even though that happens at a lower frequency, that those teams are the ones in the Super Bowl, you win all the money. And so I like builds like that. Those are those to me are are enjoyable because then it's just like I only really had to do two things right. You know, I had to get through round one and round two and round three, like damn near advances itself when you play this contest in the optimal way. Mm -hmm. And then and then you're in the Super Bowl with the nuts. And it's like. That's a fun sweat. You know, I, I sure do enjoy sweating the nuts. It's like we turned over the, the whole cards on the turn and it's like, oh, I have a full house and you're drawing to a flush. Like, feel pretty good about where I'm at. You know, so. Right. Um, and one, one thing that's sort of noteworthy here to me, and I've been a little queasy about taking uh, Brandon Cooks. And, and, and this chart probably does a good re- uh, explanation why, where. He's at so he's at eighty to eighty-five percent route share. So he's running a lot of routes, but he's not running all the routes. And then his weighted target per run is just forty percent. And I'm pretty sure he's run a little bit hot on touchdowns. And it's like, like obviously in in, in Cowboys make the Super Bowl, you have Doc Prescott. Like you want Brandon Cooks, but I'm I'm starting to, to wonder if um like if if you don't have Doc. Like, should you be taking if uh, Brandon Cooks on 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 a secondary Cowboy stack at all? Like, it feels sort of weak. That's interesting. Um, I definitely see the merit to like not doing Brandon Cooks if you don't have Dak. Um, but at that point in the draft, the options you're looking at are are, are weak. One one v one me, Brandon Cooks, David and Joku. You know, it's like it, they're close. Right. One v one me. The ones where where you win the one v one hard in projection are like one v one me, Brandon Cooks, Puka Nakua, right? Right. Um, and that's one where if you have a lot of cooks already, maybe you do start doing that, even though it's a lower probability the Rams make. But if you do end up with the Rams facing the Cowboys in round one of the playoffs, that's probably a really sick way to balance out that Brandon Cook stuff because. Now, not only are like you getting the higher projected player, but you're also benefiting when right those Dallas teams lose out. So, I think that's interesting. I probably, I, I probably think the way that I'm gonna account for that is doing the Puka Cooks one v one on teams where it's within structure. Yeah, and, and I I do it does make me think like so. What do you think the probability is that the Cowboys beat the Rams? Like, is it 
I was gonna go like sixty. Sixty percent. Yeah. So, um, are the Rams really forty percent? Well, I guess the the big issue for the Rams then is that they have to uh, they have then have to beat the 49ers. Right, and I'm which... I'm a pessimist. Um, for the cow, you know, I've been hurt so many times, Drico. <laughs> you gotta understand. Um. And and the Cowboys too, like the one of the biggest warts on the Cowboys is lack of offensive line depth. And Tyler Smith just tore literally tore his plantar fascia. By the way, one of the funniest injury report things, not funny that this man tore his plantar fascia, which is extremely painful, like especially when you're like three hundred plus pounds. Like right. that sucks. I feel really yeah. bad. He's on a scooter right now. I promise you, he's on a scooter. Yeah, in his house. yeah, of course. Um but the injury report that I saw was that his status was in question for week 18. Are you fucking joking me? This What's the question? Like, how yeah. long? How is he going to get out of bed? <laughs> this 300-pound monster man, like, has to put his full weight on a torn plantar fascia? Like, <laughs> dude, I know, I know, like, real mortals that tore their plantar fascia where they were, like, they were scooter gang for, like, six weeks. Right. <laughs> like, I, I know these are, like different types of human beings than more right and they're, and they're going to be giving them injections but that is not a... but my god man like that sounds crazy to me so that's scary to me as a cowboys fan like one of our best offensive linemen on our strongest side of our line is weak now like he's either majorly hobbled or we're playing a backup and the cowboys have shown like you look at some of the most embarrassing losses the cowboys have had this season it's like oh tyron Smith is out you know like the Cowboys are missing someone on that line and the depth is right. non-existent. So that's part of where my pessimism comes in. Um, but anyway, just checking something here. Where is Justin? Um, like I'm, I'm looking at Quez Watkins here at 70 to 75%. Um, um, uh, way to targets, I uh, say a uh, routes run, I should say. And then like just an abysmal, 20% weighted targets per run, even though he's like a, a deep shot guy. Um, like it, it, like I, I know you, you've been off the, um, you've been off the Eagles, but let's say you've got a Jalen Hurts team and, and you're looking to uh, tag on another, uh, another piece. Is, is someone like this, like, is that like, and, and, and the fact that they're barely drafted as well matters too. Like, is Quez Watkins draftable? I don't think Quez Watkins is draftable. Um, but could I interest you in Quintorius Lopez Jones, better known as Julio? Of course. Yeah, I've already taken <laughs> Julio. Like he just scored two touchdowns. Yeah. It, it's fucking canon that if they win, that he has to be a huge part of it. Yeah, no, it's it's fresh legs Julio Jones, baby, is the Eagles savior in the playoffs. Um, There's no yeah. bigger backhanded compliment than calling an older player fresh who hasn't played much fresh legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I wouldn't draft Quez. I would uh, I would click some Julio, though. But like the other thing with the Eagles, this this is kind of like how it parallels a little bit with the FFPC playoff contest is. The stuff that's the teams that people aren't as excited to click in best ball drafts are the ones where you don't have to get as cute on them because if you show up to the finals, I mean, like, yes, the Eagles were heavily drafted earlier, you know, but like if you show up to the finals and you have a full Eagles stack and Kenneth Gainwell, you know, like 
not not as many people are building full eagle stacks anymore they're more like one-off pieces or things like right. that um or many you know two two player minis um so i'm not as into doing a quez watkins the other thing is like there's what, so many who, viable alternatives and whoever your opponent is on the afc is probably a better alternative dart throw than quez Wat like you you take the chiefs as the you know it's eagle right. chiefs rematch pick any chiefs dart throw you know you mm -hmm. want you want ravens okay great any ravens dart throw like i like over quez watkins you know so yeah that's uh, if you were so, if you were the mega Eagles bowl, if you were like the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl and I won't hear anything else, then yeah, you mix some Quez Watkins in. But I'm I'm coming from a place where it's like I have like almost no Eagles in my portfolio. I don't need to start getting down into the like really cutesy stuff, you know. I'll, right. I'll just, if I get there with the Eagles, I, I'm just there. determined. So like this is stock chasing. I'm determined to make it about the stats and the charts. And this is my way of doing that. I, I think, too, what's really relevant is that, especially with Quez, you have three bona fide, like, uh, bona fide, like, alpha target errors in, in like, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, um, can't believe, what's the title? Uh, Dallas, Dallas Goddard. Goddard. I thought and, you were going to go Julio Jones. I thought you were calling Julio Jones bona fide alpha. I was like, okay, <laughs> we're going there. No. No, not yet. But then you you have you also have emerging Julio Jones, and um, and so yeah, that that's something where I guess not many people are doing it, and, and definitely makes sense to not do it. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's let's take it to the last chart here. Um, really, there's I think one guy now there there were two guys on this chart that were actually that's a lie. There's I see Ravens players. So there's plenty of guys on this chart that are interesting but rashi rice is like the crown jewel of this chart for playoff best ball because rashi goes you know third round most of the time maybe yeah fourth round um and no one else here is going anywhere near that high um a guy that was going early in drafts when the jags looked functional was parker washington when there were doubts of christian kirk coming back Mm -hmm. that's probably that's fully off the menu for me now with Kirk back um oh but yeah this is this is a whole smorgasbord of late round we've got Jameson Williams we've got Michael Gallup Justin Watson Odell Jameson Williams uh let's see who else do we have uh Chase Claypool oh gross Braxton <laughs> wow, Arios yeah no it's uh I mean it's Cedric Wilson all the way for me if you're gonna do that Miami wide receiver punt um but uh, I think I think I even saw a little Rashad Bateman in here. Yeah, so like there's a lot of guys on here. That's the thing about playoff best ball. When we got to this chart in previous weeks, we were like Jaden Reed, Rashi Rice, Curtis Samuel. All right, let's not talk about anyone else because none of them right. are relevant. But playoff best ball, you the threshold to. for points is so so low in in some Super Bowl scenarios especially if it's hard to get five live players to the Super Bowl if they're you know if a bye week team makes it that just having anyone anyone fill that fifth slot you know cuz what what ends up happening is you and 12 other people have the same four players that are alive right yeah and maybe they don't have a fifth active player but you do and it's Rashad right. Bateman and it right. just so happens four points. the game's playing out and those four players that you share with those 12 people 
are the nuts so far. Mm -hmm. And all of you are first through 12th and you're holding hands, chopping all the money right now. And then at the end of the game, Rashad Bateman catches one pass for seven one yards. One five-yard pass. And that is $150,000 for you. You know, that's that's why these guys matter. Um, right. So I've, I've seen people talk about like, oh, I'm like never – I'd never click Rashad Bateman. I'd always click like – I'd much rather click a Calvin Ridley or a Christian Kirk as just a one-off right. to help me advance. And like that's the reason why I, I showed that expected value calculation earlier because yeah. it's like, you know, 1% boost in your and, and that was only looking at round three where we're talking about you know advancing one of eight we're not even talking about the one out of 400 i i just was looking at the calculation of like your base finals expected value rate not even considering how much of an advantage having a fifth player when you're in a group of you know 10 or 20 teams that have the same mm. four players as you like it it gets magnified even more Okay, so like you already saw why it was important to click those guys just from a go from round three into the finals point. But when you do the expected value calculation of like, I get there and there's 20 people duped with me and Rashad Bateman only scores above zero 30% of the time. Well, that 30% of the time is $120,000 of EV for you. And so it's like 0.3 times 120, 36 grand. That Rashad Bateman play was a $36,000 EV play for you when it, you know, when you get right. There. So that's, that's why. Um, but anyway, all these gross guys, you'll, you'll become intimately acquainted with them. If you do a lot of playoff best ball. Yeah. Makes, um, makes sense for sure. And okay. Well, I, this has been a lot of fun. And uh, we, we've, we've sprinted through the two hour mark, <laughs> two hours and, and, and 13 minutes. So good time, uh, good time to, to stop there. And um, like I said, that this uh, this show has been a lot of fun to do with you this year, Zach. Uh, uh, and uh, looking forward to next year. Uh, hopefully, you don't abandon me as well. Uh, and um, yeah, been a lot of fun. No, no plans on abandoning you, Draco. Wouldn't think of it. Um, yeah, I just feel super fortunate that you asked me to be on the show. I had a blast with you too, man. I feel like yeah. you made me a, a much better fantasy player this well, year. Thank it's, you. The, the best thing about this game is when you find someone else where you really respect their opinion and you know that they're thinking about things in the right way, because it's so easy, especially like for people that are really in the weeds on this stuff, you're doing a lot of your own work. You, you feel confident in the work that you're doing. It's really easy to think that you're the smartest guy in the room and let your ego get the best of you and only trust what you're doing, right? Or trust yourself and maybe a couple other people. But mm -hmm. getting to work with you where you're able to challenge me on some stuff and make me rethink a position that I have, that's really helpful for me. And I think it's made me a much better player. And I'm really excited to get back to drafting uh, best ball next season and uh Hope, yeah. hope one of our FFPC teams that we split next year uh, ends up taking it down. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. And uh, yeah, uh, I, uh, I I'm really glad that I did uh, I did propose you to um to to, to the larger uh, ship chasing guys. And um, I think uh, everyone would agree that uh, it's been uh, really um, really good. Just trying uh, to make you proud, Draco. <laughs> uh, well, let's. Uh, 
we'll, we'll, we'll end there. Uh,